Hey friends, it's good to see you again. I'm Brian. And I'm Joe. Let's Let's start start the show. Man, that feels so much better. Man, did you like that or what? Yeah, it (laughs) it feels way better. And it's uh, it's not a, a minute long of awkward waiting for an intro to be over. No, that's just me and Brian sitting in Brian's garage with the guitar I actually play shows with. It's kind of cool. You yeah. Know? yeah. You know? It's not like a sound bite we down. Not that that's not cool too, but it's, it's just happens to not be a, a free sound clip we downloaded. I just, we just composed and recorded that like a minute ago. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to get like points with some group of people. So if you're out there and you're listening and I get points, you know, let me know. Yeah, let Joe know he gets points. Where's my? He's where's, looking for them all the time. I really am. I want to know that I'm doing good. Where do you spend your points? Um, usually at the bar. Okay. You you get um, you get like popularity points, mm-hmm. and so you spend them in free shots. Oh, okay. People just see you, and they're like, "Oh, look at this cool guy!" And they just like they, they it's like their money that they have for their own shots. They mm-hmm. don't even want anymore. They just want to give it to you. Oh, they're like, I don't want to use this. This is and for this cool guy. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like points too, but I didn't really do anything because all I like I just kind of said on Brian, you're the musician, right? And so, uh, like, well, we came up with the idea together. Okay, right? we wrote it. We all can right. say. I we mean, wrote I, I that can take together. a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I yeah I came up with all of it and just ordered Joe to do it. Yeah, you're a my good producer. Way. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are drinking. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up, but we're drinking uh, Black Rifle coffee silence or smooth is there we're drinking right now is there any like flavoring to this or is it just coffee yeah they just do different uh beans and roasts i mean it's very similar to what we've done at albanco they just kind of you know they ordered coffee from different places the the black rifle thing is all like they're all about uh they're really good at marketing really really good at marketing especially to the veteran and hunting world yeah, like I'm the stereotypical sort of veteran that would love this because I'm the, you know, while I might not have spent 20 years in, right? Um, I spent four of them in, most of them going, oh, I don't like this or whatever. But then when I get out, I wear, I just, I just try to wear like nothing but motivating Marine Corps, military veteran stuff just so I can get pats on the back from everybody. Yeah. 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 John, John, <laughs> when we did, uh, when we had drinks with him, you know, a week ago or whatever. Yeah. Uh, John Harris, who's been on the podcast a couple times, he made fun of me because I had my combat flip flops on that had my Iraq <laughs> campaign ribbon, yeah. you know, a little patch on there. But I do, I do. Uh, yeah, it was miserable while you're in, and then mm-hmm. once you get out, you 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 miss aspects of it. It's yeah. it's a lot like a bad relationship, right? Yeah, like you know, like a girlfriend you've had in the past, you only remember like how good her hair looked one of those days. Right? Yeah, I guess so. You know, and those nice things she said, <laughs> but when you broke up, it was like she was a horrible person that like, like abused you, and you and like, but when you think back on her, so oh, she wasn't that bad. She wasn't quite so bad yeah. as I remember. And, and so I think the military is kind of like that that bad ex girlfriend, yes. and you just you just remember the fun things, and yeah, I um I saw you. In your, um, your, well, I don't know what they call them in the Marines, like BDUs. Yeah, we call them uh, camis or the cam, yeah, the camouflage. Yeah, so they thing. were uniform, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your top. And uh-huh. we just cleaned it. We're in my garage right now. And the, the only reason is because my wife and I spent like five, six hours in here um, yesterday cleaning nice it up. And one of those boxes over there, Joe, uh, maybe even the one marked Christmas, it, mm-hmm. it might be that one. 
uh, has my BDUs in it. And uh-huh. due to the inspiration of seeing you and yours, I tried uh-huh. mine on. Oh, yeah. I might be pulling it out. Oh, cool, like, right? I might be pulling it out. And it was an older one. I, I made it to E6, uh, staff sergeant, uh-huh. but we had switched uniforms. And so this is like the BDU. This is the green, brown, black, just like you had on. Right? Okay, yeah. Well, I wasn't using that anymore by the time I got promoted. Uh-huh. And we were in digis. Oh, yeah, I remember you know, when that digital, came Digital um, camouflage. Not my favorite. And so <laughs> I, I thought, is it really weird to then, because it has specialist rank on it, an mm-hmm. E4 rank. Is it weird to get my last rank? Like... Well, I think on the, it? because so that's not real. My recollection of what the rule is mm-hmm. is if you want to use the wear the uniform stuff, you are actually supposed to not wear like rank insignia like correctly, like wear it incorrectly. So, so, th- so that was my not, other thought: is just to take the rank off. Yeah, just take it off or something. Yeah, just I think just maybe it. take the rank off of it, mm-hmm. but still have like my, my last name. It has my uh, combat infantryman's badge on it. My oh, they hey. call it a CIB. Watch out! Okay. Yeah, I got my CIB on there. And so I'm like, man, this it, mm-hmm. and it fit. It fit. Uh-huh. That was the big thing. Is I remember how excited you are and were to to get into your dress uniform uh-huh. um, sometime soon. Yep. And and so I tried it on, and I'm like, I know the excitement because I, it it fit. Yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, I can and use I'm this like, stuff. I'm like, ooh. And so I, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to wear it. I want to wear it. And I didn't get it. I almost got it out for the podcast, like wear it while we were ooh. recording. There's, um, there's one thing that I, um, I like that. I like, there were certain uniform articles that I thought, Ooh, this is going to be a really nice thing for camping or hunting or something yep, later yep. on in life. And there were, but my favorite one and the one that I just had to like, just, I, I ended up buying downtown. There's like a little Navy military, yeah, there's a military army surplus. store. Yep. Um, I bought one of those pea coats, those Navy pea coats, just black and, um, you know, you know I don't know. About? I don't know what you're talking about. I'll, I'll look up a, a picture. Like if somebody pees on you? No, it's a, you, and when you see it, you'll be like, oh, you mean the most classic coat that a man could wear. Oh, oh you know what it is? I don't even have to tell you. Uh, I mean, show you a picture. It's what the uh, boondock saints are wearing. So those. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those like almost a trench coat, but not. Yeah. It's yeah. a very particular um, thing called a pea coat. And okay. I, I, I looked it up years ago because I was really into learning about. I don't know, whatever. Like, why is it so popular? Because if you, once you learn about it, you kind of see it everywhere. Like, oh, this this is a thing that people wear constantly all yeah. the time. Yeah. And um, I was really impressed that the Navy guys got to, they just got one issued to them. So, and they look awesome. You know, you don't have to do anything to them. You don't have to un, I don't think they sew any rank insignia on them. Ugh, what do I know? I wasn't in the Navy. Yeah, but now that I'm thinking about it, like a lot of movies, you know, like, uh, what is the movie? Uh, you can't handle the truth. Few good men. Yeah. Yeah, they wear them in there. I know I've seen them in there. Yep. And other other type. Yeah, and there's tiny. If you look, there's tiny little. Um, like if you know your badges and all your ribbons and stuff. If you look at them, they'll, there's going to be one that'll be upside down or one that's slightly askew. So that they're not uh, against regulations. Like something like that. Something like that. Okay. I can't remember what it was, but the there's always a Marine Corps liaison on any marine corps yeah. movie and he's like okay we got to make sure that you know yeah you're representing the marines but in this movie you want to make sure that the stuff is just off just so right because even like i'm not in the military anymore so by putting the my my most recent rank which again was like 20 dang years ago uh-huh. <laughs> like I, it's still almost like impersonating someone who is in and i kind of felt bad yeah, yeah. like doing that i didn't want to do that so yeah, I think I'm just going to take the rank off, and I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear that thing, and it's all because cool. of you. Thanks, man. Th- and for cleaning my garage. 
Well, I mean, thanks to your wife for helping you clean and the And I the went to the military surplus. He has weird hours. He does. He just kind of says, I'll be open when I feel like it. Yeah, just whenever. Yeah, and I finally found him there, and I wanted a boonie cap. Remember mm-hmm. those? Like, yep. you definitely wore them in the Middle East, but uh, I remember the desert one specifically, and yeah. I really wanted one for antelope hunting because uh-huh. the the country that antelope are in looks a lot like desert (laughs) you know it's just like dry wheat fields and Mm -hmm. you know things like that but he didn't have one but he did have um what he told me is they're the boonie caps that when we're playing army right when we're training Uh it's what now they're using for the enemy it's the enemy so i got the enemy boonie cap that i wear hunting quite often that guy has some cool stuff i went in there one time um and i just i pop in there every now and again because once you go through you realize it's not just military stuff Mm-hmm. He randomly has like vinyl records, yeah, or something, yeah. and you're like, okay, I, yeah. I need to spend more time here. He, he just he just pays rent in a building and wants to sell stuff he likes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. he also gives uh, free boots to veterans. So if any veteran needs shoes, he's like, oh, well, you'll have. I'll just give them to you. You know, so because he, he has a tons of those boots. Yeah. Um, oh, I went in there and I was looking through all of his. He has like vintage military stuff too, like old badges and insignias and. I was looking through one and I had just got a cool amplifier and it was uh, one of my favorite colors, which is seafoam green and it's called the Excelsior, you know, and it had this like little badge on it and it was this weird thing that Fender did just for a couple of years and it had two, I think it has like two swords crossing on it and it just made it look kind of, I don't know, military almost. Yeah. And I, I found one that looked, it said Excelsior on it with like, it was a very similar thing and he was like, oh, well that was from the British helmet when they were attacking the african whatever thing i would I, I don't remember yeah um i was like oh my god i nearly bought it it was like a little pricey and just for aesthetic you know i'm not i'm not too much of an aesthetic guy usually um but man yeah that, that guy has awesome stuff that's kind of the point of the story like you go in there and there's not just clo- oh and he has like not just vintage that's where i got my hunting thing that uh, that red coat with the matching pants i like to wear yeah he just happened to have a full suit from the 60s or 70s hunting garb yeah garment oh <laughs> uh, well and when i was looking through all my old stuff i, I remembered uh, i had forgotten but i remembered that as i was getting out you kind of like try to grab things right <laughs> um, oh yeah you know yeah because they they like, take all the stuff back that they've given you like ammo cans yeah and there's some things you're allowed to keep and there's other things you're not and and so i um one of my mechanic buddies had an unused um, mechanic suit. I don't know what it's called, but you know, like what the Air Force wears, uh, pilots, yeah, like, like the, the jumpsuit. Jump uh-huh. And so the mechanics, uh, at least in the army, had just, it, it was the same thing, but tan. Uh-huh. So it looks cool. exactly like the Ghostbusters uniform. Oh. And so I have that and I totally forgot. I didn't try it on, but I'm like, man, I could be, I could be Ghostbusters whenever I wanted. Oh my gosh. And there's a new movie coming out. Like I, I could be like hip to the groove. That's gonna be on brand for you. Yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, look at your, you know, thirty dollar polyester, you know, costume. This is <laughs> yeah, and I got it. I got it for free, this and I've never, real. I've never worn it. It's never been worn, and so uh, I might show it to you before you leave. It's a yeah. Cool little, cool, cool little piece. Awesome old military stuff. And and just you know, when you dig through stuff you haven't dug through, like there's my duffel bag right there. You can see. Okay. I've actually got a rucksack in there and a frame. And so I have a rucksack and a frame in that. It's right next to the buckets. That's and cool. so that's my duffel bag that it went to Iraq with me once. My my duffel bag I brought over the first time exploded off the, the Bradley, but that's that's one of them um, that went over there. And I just 
store stuff in it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And it's nice just uh, reminiscing, seeing seeing old time, old times, times of old. Times things. of old. Yeah, I went into the Marine Corps recruiter office um, a couple of years, when was it, last year, the year before? And they had this little book of, um, you know, hey, this was Operation Enduring Freedom or whatever, OIF, you know. OIF. OIF, you yeah. know, the one that I was in. And I, I started leafing through this book and it was like the size of a yearbook. You know, and it was like, whoa, I was like nearly expecting to see myself in it. Like the pictures were so like, whew, I don't know, uh, flashbacky. Is that a word? Yeah. Like they, yeah. They took me right back. I was like, holy moly, that is exactly where we were and what we were doing. Um, so I tried to reach out to them and was like, hey, do you guys have any like hats and T-shirts and, you know, maybe because I thought to, I thought like, man, as a musician, I should be playing up this this vet thing, you know, like I should be having, wearing a hat or having a patch on my tip cup or I don't, I don't know something. And I just don't, you know, right. Right. <laughs> and I was thinking maybe I could be more, you know, I don't know, more strategic about it, but they never got back to me. And then a year later, I, I thought about it just a couple of weeks ago. Cause I noticed that their Facebook page was like, Hey everyone, join the Marines and all this stuff. And um, I was like, huh, they seem to be very, they are using their Facebook, huh? So I went, <laughs> I went and messaged them again. And I noticed it had been like a year or more since yeah. I'd messaged them since. And I just messaged them saying, so, so is that a no then? <laughs> <laughs> and immediately someone got back to me <laughs> and said, no, we don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. We, um, my unit, uh, we lost um, five soldiers on the second deployment. Um, five five people out of our our company, and so we had an artist um, that was in. He, he actually ended up didn't didn't deploy with us a second time. He stayed back. Uh, rear D is what they called it because he was he was injured, uh-huh. and uh, he drew up this this shirt. And so we had our our company logo on the front, and then on the back it was this soldier kind of kneeled knelt knelt down on the ground uh-huh. with the names of the the five people that we lost in our unit. Uh, really cool. And I found that yesterday as well. Oh, man, that is a really cool t-shirt to have. I, um, I wore it. Right. Oh, I and so when yeah. I, when I found it again, I'm like, well, I can't, I can't wear it anymore. It's going to turn into like dust. Yeah. Well, we got to have someone recreate it though. Yeah. And I think, I think one of my buddies actually did recreate it and I just didn't get on the bandwagon to order it. So they might, they might have a couple extras I could order from them. You know, I was looking for a moto shirt myself uh, a few months back. Um, I was looking for the shirt from my graduating class in NBC school because um, I, it was designed by this anime artist and she was like, um, I think she was Japanese. Yeah. Um, but her last name is Moreno. So I guess, man, I just can't remember. She was short. I don't want to so, say. For some reason, that sounds Spanish to me. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah. So I couldn't tell you. But, anyway, she was super, super nice. Um, and then, unfortunately, I, I read, I'm trying to find the shirt, actually, um, because I remember that she had designed it and that maybe she had still, she was still doing, um, anime comics. And she was, she was just, uh, she just finished and, you know, to not, um, bury the lead too much. She did pass away. Um, yeah, I found. I was like, oh my gosh, she passed away of cancer, and that was really sad. Um, and she was just finishing up this anime um, comic book thing, and it was based on her experiences in the Marine Corps. So it was based around this female Marine going through and just kind of what was it kind of like? And I know, just for, have to say that would be the worst <clears throat> branch to be a female in. Oof! It, I mean, 
if yeah, they told me a lot of stories and I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know how you guys did this. But um the shirt <laughs> Yes. But the shirt that she designed she designed was hilarious. Um because we were the main thing that we do, I mean, we do a lot of things, but the main thing that seems like is the symbol of what we do is the gas chamber mm-hmm. and the gas masks and all yeah. that. And um, so we, we, um, she drew up all these Pokemon and put gas masks on them and they're kind of running at you in a very similar scene to the cartoon. Yeah. Um, and, and our class slogan was, we got to gas them all. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, I have to get this shirt again, but I can't. I can't find it. So I even went so far as I messaged someone who had finished her anime and was like, you know, is there any 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 of her artwork yeah, somewhere? Any remnant somewhere. Yeah. And if there is, let me know and I'll find out how to get it and utilize it and whatever. Yeah. But no, nothing. So I'll have to just maybe I have someone else. Um maybe one of my friends. Maybe I'll reach out to them and say, Hey, does anyone have a picture of that or that t shirt still? The search may continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might be able to find somebody that could kind of remake it. Wouldn't be the same, but yeah. you could kind of remake it. And I'm not sure that I could wear it in public. I mean, as I was going to say, you have to have the context with that. Yeah. And with no context, it's like, who are you trying to guess? It just seems like I'm trying to make someone somebody, angry. Yeah, and somebody will be offended without a doubt. Someone's going to be like, uh, first of all, gas masks don't work on Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, do your research, bruh. Okay. Yeah, and you could just meet like some weird demographic person that is offended mm-hmm. by not weird. Like they could have a valid reason to be offended by it, but sure, sure. like um you know, you just happen to run into that person that like their family was gassed and you're like they're like, What are you What are you the most <laughs> insensitive monster? Yeah. yeah, you're horrible. But what the the so when you brought up the name Moreno, uh-huh. it reminded me that we uh did do trivia. Oh, we did trivia together. The last, the last podcast was right before we went to trivia um, with everybody. That was cool. And it was, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And we were winning. We were winning. I, I will also say that I like how competitive it gets. Like, it's all friendly, and we're all, like, you know, we're passing each other's papers back to, you know, we're all talking. But then when, like, uh, the, uh, the scores come out, you know, people yeah. are screaming, like, suck it. Yeah. Yeah. We are. And I'm like, like, wow, this is kind of cool, I guess, to be. Oh, it was, it was fun. And I don't know, uh, due to no part uh, from me, we, yeah, we were in the lead. And then the final question, you're allowed to, you know, wager everything. And if we didn't wager everything, there was no chance we were going to continue to win. Yeah. And so we had to wager everything and we got it really wrong. So wrong. Do you remember the question? Um, what order did these oh, Disney that. movies come out? And it was Toy Story 2, <clears throat> Cars, yep. in Incredibles. And Up. And Up. <clears throat> and we had to put those in the correct order that they released. Yeah. And we were pretty much wrong on all of them. Yeah. Besides Not, Up being the last one. Yeah. We were thinking like Toy, Toy Story 2 was way later, but it's yeah. actually 1999. Yeah, like when, it came out when before... When the sequel to Toy Story came out, it was yeah. 1999. Yeah, which doesn't feel like that. Doesn't feel that. No. I thought <clears throat> I thought I was older when that came out, but but yeah, so we got that wrong, and then we ended up not even like ranking. But the drinks were good. The company was the nice. The company was good. We, you know? we met uh, a new, well, a new, new for me couple. Ky- Kyle and Kyla. Yeah, Kyle and Kyla. Yep. And they said they didn't plan that. 
liars. Yeah, they're, they're liars. I like because both of their um, personalities, I just imagine the meeting. Like, wait, your name is Kyle and mine's yeah. Kyla? Well, that's it. We're getting married. Yeah, we're, we're getting married. It's they too, probably decided like within too minutes. hilarious not to. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> And then I bet you they were married to somebody else when they met, and we're just like, I'm just gonna divorce. We're just gonna divorce Susie, this weirdly (laughs) boring to named person. And I'm gonna, (laughs) yep. But they they were good. Yeah, Kyle especially. Like he he was he was on it. He had a depth of knowledge. Yeah, and and uh, a vigor for releasing that information upon us. He did. Yeah, he but quiet enough to not give the information out. Right. to the other tables around us. Like he did a really good job. Strategic. Yeah. I at some points I did forget my wife was there. Cuz yeah. she was on the other side of me. Yeah. And all of the the answers were getting down written down to the right of me. She was on the left. Yeah. And I'd look over and go, "Oh yeah, she's here." Cuz she like didn't mm-hmm. until the very end mm-hmm. when she did give input. Yeah. And was correct. And, she and was correct. none of us believed her. She was like, "Well, she hasn't said anything." So. Yeah. Yeah, your credibility is nothing, ma'am. Yes. Um, Sit back down. Yeah. This is a democracy of facts. And I think she did it on purpose so that she could be like, well, I mean, we would have won if you'd listened to me the only time I gave information. Mm -hmm. She just wanted that. That's a huge one to have in your back pocket. It is. For for any future tussle. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. But it was a good time and I Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. And then uh, you've, since then, you've had a, you've had a pretty good week. Yeah. I've been doing um, lots of stuff music related. I've been very busy. And um, one of the fun ones was I got to do the Great Falls Legacy Foundation. Um, I got to entertain a little bit, played some music for a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they, um, they're connected to the Great Falls Clinic. And what they do is they raise money, maybe for other things, but what seemed like the big thing was they were building a house or structure with many places to stay in it that um, like if you were coming from another part of the state and you needed to come with, you know, a family member and you needed to stay overnight, well, then there's this free place for you to stay comfortably. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, That's hey, pretty cool. Yeah, it seems nice. <clears throat> um, so they're doing that over at the UGF building, that new one that they built in the parking lot not too many years ago. And um, so I get there. And they had a person named Kat Perkins, and I think she was on the, gosh, I can't remember, it was like six or seven years ago on The Voice. Yeah, I Googled her. Oh, cool. And um, I, I watched a couple of her videos, too, and I, I Googled, Googled her myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, in person, way shorter than you're thinking. Whew. Just a very short person. Yeah. Wow, that was the first thing that struck me. And then I thought, stop thinking those things, Joe. I mean, just... Why, who, why, why does it matter how tall someone is? <laughs> Just because you thought they were taller? Yeah. Like, didn't you learn anything by watching Rocky? I mean, you're so short in real life. Anyways, <laughs> we do the sound check. Everything's going good. Um, so uh, the thing went off pretty good. I think everything, everyone was pretty darn happy because uh, there was like a, a live auction with an auctioneer, which is always fun. I love auctioneers. Oh, he did a great job. I think, every, I think he's locally semi-fate, like Fred Burroughs. That's, that sounds familiar. Doesn't it sound familiar? Yeah. Okay. He was there doing a good job. Great job, Fred. Um, auctioneering stuff. Uh, hilarious, too. He knows what he's doing. Um, and then there was the silent auction that went off pretty good. And then, so I do my hour of music, and I've been getting pretty good at background music. You know, I know that's what I'm doing. People are chatting. I'm playing some jazz music. I'm having fun. <clears throat> then I, they have um, the auctioneer do his thing, and he has a different mic. So there's a mic system that's going through just their speakers in the ceiling. So mic, speakers in the ceiling, great for talking. Um, that thing cut out. 
you know, once or twice. So I had to give him my mic and like kind of do some different settings um, on my already sound checked stuff. And so anyways, <laughs> when the singer went on, her voice was just a bit loud. So I made sure and turn her down and everything that sounded great to me. Right. And I'm like, man, this is cool because, you know, someone from The Voice, um, they're really that good at power balance. doesn't live in Great Falls, Montana. Oh, no, that's right. They yeah. flew her in from yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. <clears throat> And so they flew her in. Um, and so from The Voice, if you ever watch that show, they basically do covers of big, big voice songs, big ballads, big power ballads, you know, they, you know, to showcase the awesomeness of people's voice. It's competition. And so I was pretty excited because I looked up Kat and she did like a spot on rendition of Someone Like You by Adele. And I was like, whoa, this lady's got some pipes. So that'd be cool to see in person. And I've never done sound for someone like that. Um... Then um, they asked me to turn her down and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll turn her down a little bit. And then they asked me to do it two more times until she's just background music, you know, like you can barely, I think the talking in the room was much louder than her music, you know? And, um, and even during the, even during the, um, the performance, they came up and they were trying to give her this other mic, you know, they're, I think they're just very proud of their mic situation. They think, <laughs> they think they're just really awesome and they are, they're SM58s, they're wireless and they go through all the speakers. My problem with that was, is like, well, as a singer, we have things on our voice like EQ and like reverb that makes it sounds really nice. And, you know, it fits with this guitar player that I have over here going through my system. So yeah. having two opposing systems actually might even cause phase issues that would i would not even know how to fix yeah and so yeah and this is only an hour long thing so if we can just do you know what i was you know paid to do here maybe that would be <clears throat> so anyways it's weird and i i feel like there's some i wish i could get together everyone in town that does sound <clears throat> just everyone and i want us to all get on the same page <laughs> i just i want us to all be like okay so when we plug in a mic we turn up the gain like this until it gets red and then we turn it down a bit until it never gets ready. You know what I mean? Just go yeah. over the basics. And yeah. so just everyone, and I wouldn't have to feel like, you know what I mean? Cause I, sometimes I assume that everyone knows this stuff. You yeah. Know? But everybody doesn't. Yeah. No, and I'm like, darn it. So you go to that church and you're like, Ooh, the sound here is kind of weird, but it's probably because no one can talk to the sound guy and say, Hey, you're sounds really weird and a lot of people don't like it and this is too loud and that's not right leveled and i wish we could do something about it and have that guy or girl be very like oh well i've been doing this for this long and you don't need to tell me and i'm a volunteer or whatever sometimes yeah it for for me in my business that's like the number it's like a, a thorn in my side is like just just the conversation of sound you know because yeah. what i just said right there you know, I've probably offended like 25 people. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't hurt any feelings. What does he know about sound? You know, <laughs> I'm like, listen, everybody, I, I just want you to sound good. I want us all to sound good. That's what I want. <laughs> I don't want to be right. I just want, <laughs> yeah, I want wherever I go. And the thing that I, it happens at the fair sometimes too. Like someone will be up there talking like a comedian and the sound won't be right. And in my head, I'm like, they're, their whole thing is talking. <laughs> it's, it's all they're doing and we need to hear them and what they're saying. And if we can't, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Right. And, <laughs> uh, it's just, I think there's also a, a Montana thing mm -hmm. where we're just like, we know we're supposed to have this, you know, comedian speaker, uh -huh. uh, musician, but we care more about what's going on at our little table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and like, they're just here because we're, they're supposed to be. I mean, not to call out us great Fallsians, but 
it, it's like very heavy here in Great Falls. Like uh. That mentality of like, well, there's some great live something going on here, but I'm going to talk with my yeah. table yeah. about I need, other I need stuff. I to, to chat mm-hmm. about the intricacies of quilting. Mm-hmm. Or something. While while we call in somebody from Minnesota to yeah. <laughs> to play music, and we paid money for this person, and like, yeah, and the and the truth of it is, it's probably like you know one or two people in the whole party that were like, you know, that's a little loud for me, yeah, and I'm the one donating fifty thousand tonight, so I'm gonna have it at the level I want. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and it's I, mean, I don't even work for a nonprofit anymore, so it's no worries that I say that. I mean, you can you can not like me for saying that, but it's the truth, you know. I mean, you're just trying to get those one or two big moneyed people to write you that huge check. The rest of the people are just good for you know pictures and the, the small money that does add up for sure. But mm-hmm. I mean, without the big donations, none of that stuff happens, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, without like. <laughs> Thousands of small donations. Like, how long does it take to have you know my twenty dollars equal fifty thousand from somebody? It takes a long, a long time. But I feel like, and I guess I'm not going to those board meetings anymore. But I feel like in the board meeting we should be like, okay, well, let's how how are we going to keep this one or two people happy? Do they want um, background music? Cool. Let's make sure and only have background music. We'll make sure and get a guy or girl that keeps it at that level, and they'll be super happy. And we'll just check in with them all night to make yep. sure the volume is right. <laughs> yep. And make sure that they have the most comfortable seat and it's at the yeah. table they want. Yeah. And then everybody else will be fine because they're kind of here because this one person's here. Yeah. Let's just, I mean, let's just pull down the facade. Let's just make <laughs> these couple people happy. I mean, if you would point them out to me, I would go out of my way to like be so nice to them and give them compliments and check yeah. a dote yeah. on them even. Because yeah. I mean, hey man, I get it. It's a lot of money that this one or two people might be giving you. And so when we went, when I went to the um, total archery challenge, we talked about, you know, many podcasts ago. Oh yeah. We're at episode 35 right now. Halfway to 70. Congratulations, Joe. Whoa. Cheers to us. Yeah. Um, Anyway, these guys, Black Rifle Coffee, um, they have a a nonprofit. um, It's called like Black Rifle Coffee Gives. And uh, the nonprofit came to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, um, you know, auction thing that was that Total Archery Challenge. And those guys gave away more money than anyone. Their table, like, like bid on everything. Yeah. And like, so that was the table to make happy. Right. So like if I was ever going to do anything, I would only call them. <laughs> only and then make sure they were going to be there first yeah and then i would find out where i was going to hold the thing and invite everyone else <laughs> yeah. and yeah. get the food trucks so where would stuff. you like to go sir <laughs> yeah you basically. know we'll do it there yeah uh, what day works for you of the week okay that's the day we're doing it mm-hmm. and then yeah you bring other people around i actually i wanna i think i talked about it on the podcast but i want to uh, really, really nice backpacking backpack. Oh yeah, you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, and so it was a little fun night. But these guys are—they were really cool. Black Rifle Coffee, and they, yeah, and all the money went towards uh, as a non-hunter that may not be a big concern, but there's uh, always a, a concern that we may someday not have public land. Okay, you know, and so the the Elk Foundation tries to procure more land that every anyone everyone can use whether you're a hunter or not right okay. like like it's just called public land in in montana it's called well bureau of land management is all over the united states it's called bureau of land management and then there's national forest and then there's state land 
and uh, so they'll they'll purchase these these blocks of land and you can go hiking there. You can go shoot your rifle there. You can hunt there. You can set up a tent there. You know, there's, there's, you can kind of, it's, it's our land as Americans, we get public land. And if you think about like Europe, there is no public land. There's mm-hmm. like, like the, the, you have to like pay everything's, everything's been bought up. Everything's private. And to hunt over there is like only the very, very, very wealthy. And like, here, the the animals are ours, uh-huh. the 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 public. So, like you own deer, Joe. You may not know this, but cool. you, you part of your tax money goes towards deer. When I buy a hunting license, it goes towards you know all of the stuff that it takes to make sure we still have a healthy population. And uh, in in Europe, um, the whatever land that deer happens to be on, that's who owns that deer. Oh, and so they are then the owners of of that whatever animal, you know, bird, worm, huh. chipmunk. They own it; it's theirs. I was just, and that's not how the United States works. I was just watching that um, Top Gear show. Um, mm. Those British guys, and yep. they were yep. um, in Britain, and they were like, the episode was talking about like, why aren't American cars? When did they catch on here? You know, why are they so unpopular? And they're driving a, a super nice '60s Camaro and a Ford Mustang, and they go hunting. You know, and they pull up to this manor castle. Yep, yep. That's (laughs) where you would do all your hunting, yep. With everyone in their, um, you know, $100,000 Land Rovers or whatever the expensive Did they go fox hunting? It looked like that that's what they were about to go do because everyone was like so proper. And you could, just by looking at them, you're like, oh, that person's rich. And they use horses and hounds and they're usually captive fox that they let go. And then the one guy came up and he had, um, in the spirit of being an American, had, had dressed up in the camouflage and the vest and the trucker hat that we would all yeah. you know go hunting in and he yeah. just looked like so crazy out of place it was laughable you yeah. know <laughs> because he wasn't in like the the very nice yeah you know um I, I would i would compare it to um what is it what is the 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 game you play on horses where you hit the thing with the racket i want to say polo polo okay yeah i was gonna say lacrosse but that's totally not it um but it's yeah polo they they look like they're dressed to play polo. Yeah, they look like they have like the high boots that are like shiny mm-hmm. leather. Yeah, white kind of tight pants. Are they going to be jumping their horses in a competition? Yeah, right. Yeah, one of those yep. fancy riders. Yep. And so anyway, that's uh, we went on a whole tangent there about Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. But when you talk about these um, these benefits uh-huh. that go to support different things, those are fun events to go to. But I know that that event isn't for me. Oh no! Yeah, right. Like I get to eat a meal. Like the amount I pay for my ticket is pretty much eaten up in in the food and drinks that are there for sure. And then they have all these like donated things that you can bid on or auctions uh, or whatever. Yep. You know, that's where the kind of the money comes in. But it's also just main huge donors that right. that you know buy tables and things like that. That that that's the reason it's there. Yeah, it's a weird racket, if you will. I've never been in the nonprofits until. Yeah, three-ish years ago, I started as a project project manager, and then, gosh, I was a assistant director or director or something. You know, like, so I replaced the executive director of mm-hmm. what you call a CDFI, <clears throat> which is a million-dollar loan fund that um, you can, our whole thing was giving loans to people that had um, handicaps where is usually driving related or you know like if if you don't if you need a wheelchair accessible van and need a loan to get that and your credit is not so good yeah 
that's what we specialized in. Basically. And a lot of people that have been hurt don't have very good credit because a lot of mm-hmm. times they have hospital debt. Yeah, that's they unpaid. Lose their job because they can't get to work and yep. yada yada yada. Yep. So I was thinking um, as we're talking about this, man, I wish because I don't know what what our direction would be. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't. I can't write our mission statement right now. But thinking about what the nonprofit world kind of really runs off of which is um, big events and donors, mm-hmm. um, we would be really good at that. I think so. I like, think we'd be okay at that. Like, like a, like a, like a MC. Yeah. To, and the logistics portion, like to know like, Hey, we got to call this person, make sure they're going to be here at the time. Cause that reminds me of doing chambers, gas chambers when I was in the military. Like mm-hmm. it was, it felt like that. Cause it was really stressful for me as someone putting those chambers together. Cause it was like a bunch of people coming to basically a party where I had to have a bunch of stuff <laughs> there. And, and that bunch of stuff had to come from different entities that I had to call and then reconfirm and make sure they did their job in order yeah. for my thing to go smoothly and just all these moving parts. And you know, now, nowadays you kind I kind of liken it to weddings. Mm. You know, you're throwing yep. this party that you're not used to throwing. Yeah, event management is yeah. is a is a pretty big deal. And like, um, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking when I was a, a youth pastor up in Glasgow, trying to make this not a long story, but uh, there's this whole thing in the, the Christian and probably not just Christian uh, community where uh, kids go to summer camp. Yeah. Right. And um, many children, Christian or not, have gone to these summer camps where the goal is to entertain children, but also convert them to Christianity. Right. Right. <laughs> and my whole philosophy on on conversion for people is is like it has nothing really to do with me. Like it's all between them and what they believe. And mm-hmm. it actually takes a relationship. And so I had a really hard problem with summer camps because like, you know, someone for like a week and you're oh, trying to yeah. convince them what they should do for the rest of their lives. And mm. uh, essentially, if, if that's what you believe in, all of eternity. And you're trying to do that inside a week, and you're probably not going to ever see them again. Ooh, so the pressure. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so um, I talked to the church up there, and uh, they said, you know, what other ideas do you have? You know, if you don't want to take kids to summer camp, because it's kind of a thing. It's what we've been doing. And I'm like, well, I want to take the kids on a round trip, like cross country in a van, and to see what other things you can do if you want to, it's called, you know, being in ministry, but you don't have to work at a church, right? And so there's a lot of things like nonprofits that you can, you can work for. And so we would, we would do these, um, 14 day, 5,000 mile in a van sleeping in churches and volunteering each day at different places. And so there was so many logistics. Oh yeah. To like, how long is it going to take us to drive from here to here? What church can we stay at? So now I have to call 20 churches in that town, find out one that'll let us stay there. Then, then navigate all of that. What food are we going to eat? Then like, where are we volunteering the next day? Now I have to call 10 different places that we're going to volunteer at, figure that out. They're open that day. They're, you know, there was so much to it, but it was really cool because we got to, you know, we got to help it. Like there's things called foster closets where when you have like, you, you've had a kid and your kid grows older, you can donate the old clothes to these foster closets and then foster families can come pick up clothes because they're gonna have these temporary children. Okay, yeah. And so they can get clothes for free. And so we helped like move a foster closet from one place to another and organize things and we helped at uh, homeless shelters and there's a, a equine therapy. We, we helped at uh, one, one place like clean up all their horses and some stables and things. And so it was a lot of fun. But when you're talking about like 
how do you collaborate all of that? Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine doing that pre cell phones and email. Like, I don't know how people like did anything before there were cell phones and email. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember calling and doing that and recalling. Right. Yeah. And then when it didn't happen, I would try to like, you know, get, get in their face about it or something like that. Like, let's say I, I scheduled a truck for that day and the truck didn't show up. Well, that's a huge deal and it's my fault. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so then what I realized is I had to go, um, everywhere in person. Yep. And I had to make jokes with that person, yep. um, give them some compliments, um, yep. try to find a common ground and then yep. make them like me and then thank them so much and then be so nice every and time I see them. Send them a handwritten letter. Mm-hmm. And I used to take notes. So um, mm-hmm. my, my job at Childbridge required me to um, meet a pastor. And if you don't go to that church, it's really hard to meet a pastor. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be the, the case, but it is. Yeah. And, uh, and so I would get to know my trick now was to meet the secretaries of uh-huh. the churches. And um, I would always say, hey, do you like coffee? Because that's an aunt. That's like a, just a, you mm-hmm. know, just a question you can ask somebody. I usually was holding you know, something to drink in my hand. Oh, do you like coffee? Mm-hmm. Oh, where do you typically go? What do you get? And so the next time I'd come in, I'd, you know, I'd leave and I'd write the note in my, you know, <laughs> so Susie uh-huh. likes this coffee, this you know, mocha from Starbucks. Uh-huh. And so the next time I'd stop by to see the pastor, she got the coffee that she loved uh-huh. and I remembered her name and I would always get a meeting with the pastor within a week of that mm-hmm. because people like to be known. Yeah. Like really relate. And the phone kind of takes that away. The emails take that away. It's not personal anymore. And yep. I used to get so mad when people wouldn't answer emails. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many emails do you get that you just like, yeah, no, you know, you don't even <laughs> like open it. You're like, yep. nope. Yeah, <laughs> no, but you can't do that to a person. Right. Right. You can't like yaga them out the door, you know? Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, and so, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. It's a weird idea. I mean, cause I, I like it. I like certain aspects of it, but I thought um, to, but I don't, I don't, I don't think of myself as an event planner. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really think of myself as that either, but I think it would be really easy for me. Yeah. Like the mindset, like the, the things that we're good at. Yeah. I think that if someone were like, Hey man, um, I literally just need you to do this fundraiser event. It's going to have to have this, 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 and this. Can you guys get it done for us? Yeah. I would be like, you've called the right two people. Yeah. We need nobody else's help. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine from yep. flowers to music to tablecloths and yeah. food and give me your budget. We are done. Speakers. Yep. If you need us to do the speaking, fine. You know, yep. just let us know. What and I was thinking, man, that sounds kind of fun. So yeah, I don't know. That was like a very tip of the iceberg thing. Not sure where that would go, but uh, that's why I said I have no mission statement for us. I don't know our direction. <laughs> yeah, I'm just feeling like, man, that just seems like you know, the type of businesses that are trying to do good, the nonprofits. I would say, um, a lot of them are just not real good at it. You know, yeah. these are just well-meaning, good-hearted people without the skills to run a big event. You know, they, they show up with their big hearts and they'll work themselves to death. But, and I've seen that a lot, you know, just uh, the, the consummate volunteers who just do whatever the, the people on the board want them to do. And the people on the board while having huge, huge hearts and doing a good thing for their community, don't really have the background to be and, handling a thing of this nature. most of those people, it's not their full-time job. No, most of them, yeah. Yeah. And so on my, on my resume now, 
um, it mentions my skill in um, motivating and and um, organizing volunteers mm-hmm. because it's like if you can motivate and organize people that are doing it for free in their spare time, it's pretty easy to do it if somebody wants you to manage employees yeah, because they're getting paid mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, And so if you can manage somebody that's doing it for free, you, you're probably pretty good at doing it with somebody that's getting paid. Yeah, you know that Glasgow story about traveling around. Um, how about how old, how old were those kids at high school? All all under eighteen. Um, I think the limit. I think I put a limit on that you had to be in high school, so it wasn't any middle schoolers. That just reminds me of um, so the AmeriCorps. Um, they are the sister to, or the cousin, or the twin brother to um, Peace Corps, so Mm -hmm. Peace Corps people. Mm -hmm. That's a um, government-backed thing that we send people on a mission for two years, and they basically do, they live in poverty, and they help people who are poverty-stricken. That was all started by JFK when he said, um, ask not what, you know, he he said said that to a college. Those college kids all got together and were like, hey, what do we do? And then he was like, maybe Peace Corps, and then he was assassinated, Lyndon B. Johnson, um, had to answer then the question because people were asking, well, hey, that's great. We like the whole Peace Corps thing about leaving this country and helping impoverished people. But there's a lot of impoverished people in America. Mm-hmm. So how can we help them? And so instead of Peace Corps, they came up with AmeriCorps. Gotcha. So it's kind of the same thing, only they do um, one-year missions. And they like, so from a person from California moves up here to Montana and their whole job is to set up and manage a Facebook, I don't know, thing, marketing campaign um, that then they can continue at a, let's say a whatever nonprofit that the local food bank, Mm -hmm. local food bank, not real good at marketing, needs someone, this college kid with a degree in marketing, they get to interview him and everything. And it's a pretty cool idea. But um, so that's with college kids. Those are VISTAs. um, And that stands for volunteer in service to America. Now there's another group of kids that are younger, not quite, I think they're past high school, but not quit, not quite um, college graduated. And these are the NCCC kids national something something i can't remember the whole acronym um but they do exactly what you're talking about and um they pile up in a van in teams of 10 15 20 and they will camp outside of a a place that needs a church and then live there for the three months until they all help build this church yeah or whatever yeah yeah. and um I don't know. I, I, I like thinking about that because there's so much. Um, and part of my job was to try to talk to nonprofits around the state and, and just talk them into, hey, if you need manpower, like this program is available for you. You just yeah. have to have a good business plan, a good project. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them just couldn't, they didn't, like I said, they didn't have the capacity. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what if I had the capacity to come up with something? It just is excited. The, the potential excites me. So maybe we just talk about something and we give it to somebody else who has the time to start a nonprofit. But <laughs> yeah. it's an interesting conversation, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about my, my day to day. I didn't, I didn't share with you. Yeah. Let's catch up. Um, I, this morning I, oh, okay. I have to start my day to day last night. Mm-hmm. And, um, recently I lost, uh, a friend of mine, um, to COVID. He had some, uh, other health issues around it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, things just kind of deteriorated pretty quick. And then they put him on an intubator. And when that happened, I was like, eh, you know, cause you're, you're just kind of here now when people get on those, they, they don't necessarily get off. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. I got the text that he was in, intubated and then, uh, 
I don't know. It seemed like it was a half an hour later that he had he had passed. It was Jeez. very quick. Sorry to hear that. But this this guy was really close friends with my old boss at the the church where we were recording at. Uh-huh. Right? And so I was like, oh, I need to go see how he's doing because this is one of his like really good friends. And so I went out, and what I used to call it is garage time. I used to go and and this uh, pastor. Uh, spends time in his garage uh, smoking cigars uh-huh. and just watching the tube, you know? And that's usually when he's like writing his sermons and uh-huh. just kind of his man cave thing. And so he lives um, out in Ulm and he has a detached like shop garage. And I went out there and uh, just wanted to check on and check in on him. And I hadn't done that since I moved back to Great Falls. So it's probably been six years since I've done quote unquote garage time with him. Uh-huh. Just checked in with him. About 11 o'clock, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go home. You know, it's past my bedtime. <laughs> and so I come home, and uh, at, at midnight, I'm, I'm, I think I'm asleep. You know, in that weird, like, I might be asleep, I might not. And my phone um, starts going off. I'm like, is it time to wake up already? You know, those times when you, like, blink, and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's already morning. Uh-huh. I thought my alarm was going off. Well, I look at my phone, and it says uh, 911 dispatcher. Oh. Like, oh. And I'm like, oh, great. Like something, you, you immediately think of your kids. Uh-huh. Like somebody snuck out, somebody got in an accident. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know what happened. And so I answer it and they say, uh, who am I speaking to? I'm like, well, <laughs> oh. well, you called me, you know, this is Brian. And, and they're like, okay, are you, are you the first contact for, are you the appropriate contact? Something like that for Solid Rock Bible Church. And I'm like, I mean, I was like, like years ago. And they're like, okay, well in our system, it's you. And, um, the neighbors called and like, they saw somebody walk into the building and didn't come back out. And you know, the building's supposed to be locked up. It's kind of in a low income area of town. Maybe some CD things happen. And they're like, so we have uh, some police on site and they, they can see the, the main office up there right across from where we used to record. They could see a backpack through the glass in the, the door, but the door was locked. And they're like, we think whoever's in the building is in that office and have locked themselves in. Hmm. And this is at midnight. And I'm like, okay. all right, so so what, what do you want me to do? And they're like, can you come unlock this door for us? And I'm like, all right, I guess I guess so. You know, so I got dressed and my wife's awake now because I've been talking on the phone and she's like, I'll uh-huh. come with you. And we get to the church and there's seven cop cars Whoa. at midnight in the parking lot. And I'm like, all right. And uh, I, I one guy kind of escorts me up into there and they're like, flashlights and guns and you know there's like five six of them in the building and they've already searched the whole entire building and then they're they're like poised like i used to do when i'm room clearing right Uh in in iraq they're like poised ready to like breach this door and i'm like all right you want me to unlock it now they're like yeah yeah go ahead and so i unlock it and i kind of and push it open and then they go in and they're like clearing you know Uh and for me like it's it didn't seem like that serious of a situation but like they're the pros. And, yeah. and so one guy kind of stayed out with me and I'm like, I kind of miss doing this. I was in the military and I used to, I used to clear rooms and this is, this is fun. And I can hear him in there going clear, 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 uh-huh. you know, all of that. Uh-huh. And it turns out that it's the, the backpack of the, the youth pastor. Uh-huh. And so like, there's nobody in the building. Uh-huh. Just one of the doors became a jar somehow and didn't get locked. And uh-huh. I was there for maybe seven minutes and then I left and came back home. Mm-hmm. All of that, um, to say that I slept in this morning because, ah. you know, by the time I got home and I like, calmed back down and got back to sleep, I, I slept in. And so I haven't been to the gym in over a week now. Nice. And I decided that I wanted to to go hunting, mm-hmm. you know, and it's uh, you're, hunting you're supposed to do in the morning. 
right? You're supposed to be out there as yeah. the sun comes up. Get out there. And uh, that wasn't me this morning. And I think maybe around eight, I messaged you and I said, hey, we got to record today. Let me know. <laughs> and uh, and then I went out and I, I was 40 minutes from town. And I'm saying that because um, I ran into uh, two friends <laughs> while 40 minutes from town out hunting on like random property. Whoa. And so I get out there and uh, our, our common acquaintance, uh, Lindy. Okay. Um, calls me. I had just come over this little hill. I'm starting to kind of like pull up my binoculars and look. Uh-huh. And uh, I get this phone call. And I'm like, well, I, I think I have service. A lot of times when I'm hunting, I don't even answer because I don't want like those calls. Like I just don't want those. But I'm like, yeah. I have good enough service. I'll answer. I was like, hello. And he's like, I'm looking at your truck right now. Like, whoa. And I, I look out in the field and there's a guy like standing <laughs> in the middle of the field. And he's like waving. I'm like, I uh, see you hi. out there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he's like, hey, I'm going to keep walking along here. And I was like, well, you might actually push a deer. So I'm going to drive back over here and I'll just kind of wait. You might push a deer my way. And then uh, I get out of the truck and I walk a little bit and I hear a gunshot. And so I kind of look around to see if maybe some more deer are going to move or what, you know, the gun scares them. Nothing happens. So I get back in the truck and I, and Lindy has a deer down. <laughs> and so I, oh. I help him like, you know, clean it and get it and put it in my truck. Mm-hmm. And then drove him to his truck hey. and uh, ended up talking to him for a little bit because we hadn't caught up in a while. But you and I used to sell cars with him. And, that's right. You know, both of us know him. And so then he's like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm going to go do my rest of the day. And I'm like, me too. Yeah. I went off and did another little walk. And when I get back to my truck, there's, uh, um, I, I called him my old guy. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, yeah. So I have this friend. He's 74 uh-huh. and uh, he lives by himself in a trailer and. He's never been married and him and I do, you know, hunting and fishing and stuff. And mm. he's kind of like, not not waiting, but he's kind of pulling up as I get there. And uh, him and I talk for a while Whoa. and uh, he was heading to go fishing kind of near where I was at. And it was just, it was just unique. Like you can go to Walmart, right. And, and not run into anybody. And there's 200 people there, you know, yep. 400 people there. And, and like, I only ran into two people <laughs> and they were both like, close friends of mine that I've known for over 10 years that were out on a Monday, (laughs) like late morning Uh doing stuff 40, like you could be anywhere. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that 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 was it. I, I did have uh, uh, blood on my hands today, but it wasn't from a deer that I got. It was, it was Lindy's. And so congratulations, Lindy. And since we've been here, he texted me again. He got another deer today. How's he doing with that uh, mobile mobile business he was doing yeah so um he he actually owns two businesses uh one is uh um sandblasting and so if you want like corrosive material removed from a surface you call somebody that has like it's like a pressure washer like you'd use at the car wash Uh but it blasts like sand oh gotcha so that it like peels stuff off and so um he owns he bought this build this building this business uh, a couple years ago Uh and he stays pretty busy with that and so i asked him how his his he has a mobile processing business yeah where he if you if you yeah if you shoot an animal he will come to your house and pick it up from you which is what i would do i would use him yeah and then and then he uh i think in some cases he just does it right there Mm mm-hmm and, and takes care of all of it and you have it in a couple hours. Most of the time though, I think he takes it, brings it back to his, I mean, essentially his house, but uh-huh. you know, he has like a big cooler and a huge grinder and all this stuff at his, at his place. And he brings it there food safe, you know, area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, you can either pick it up from him or he'll bring it right back to you. Um, and, uh, and he said he hasn't been too busy with that because 
the other business has been doing so well. He hasn't really oh. been trying to like promote too much this uh, game on the go. That's what it's called, game, game on, on the go. go. And nice. so if you're a local hunter here in Montana or you just happen to uh, have a dead deer that you need to turn into edible things, Lindy uh, can help you out with game on the go. And I know it's a, he's got a Facebook mm -hmm. um, and you can you can do that. Um, and so, so yeah, that, that was my day. I wanted to share. I just thought it was really unique. That was unique. Yeah, really unique. And I'd, um, I, I was trying to think of like cool things that we could talk about. Um, you know, taco, taco about on the podcast. Taco it up. Yeah. And so I think I mentioned it when we were, um, oh my goodness, I just lost his name. Hold on. Uh, who did we just interview? John? John. Harris? No. It was John Harris, then Tim McGonagall, and then his name's gone. It's out of my brain. Uh, I don't remember. The most recent. He's Tianta's boyfriend. Oh, that's right. Andy. Andy. My goodness. It was gone. Mm -hmm. I, I was calling him everything. Dan was the closest I got in my head. Yeah. And I feel bad saying the wrong name for somebody. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. And so Andy. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. That was a good podcast, by the way. Oh, I enjoyed I enjoyed talking with him and mm -hmm. uh he was I think I think out of anything there was a little bit we were so excited about some subjects we did a little talking over and we're usually pretty good about not doing that. I think it's mm -hmm. easier to listen to when people aren't talking over each other. We did that a few times, but it wasn't too bad. It, like you know trying to be like critical. Yeah. Um that that was the only complaint I would have. I think it was good good topics and everything. Anyway, why did I bring that up? Uh I'd lost my train of thought now. Oh, cool things to talk about. Oh, yeah. And so I mentioned on that podcast that I always go to the hard questions like right away. Oh, so yeah. he mentioned, you know, he'd been divorced twice. And I'm like, oh, I want to ask you how hard that's been. <laughs> like, that's like the worst thing you can ask somebody um, that's been through a divorce, right? Like, okay. Like, how's your relationship with your ex-wife? But that's like where my brain goes. I want to. Mm -hmm. I want to know how people, especially things that I haven't done. Like, I haven't been through a divorce and I'd, I'd really... And curious about something uh -huh. I haven't done. So if somebody like is really good at pottery, I, I want to ask like weird questions that I've always kind of wondered, you know? And so when I thought about cool things for us to talk about, like my brain goes to Joe, has there ever been a time that you've thought about suicide? Joe, how, you know, like, like Mercy. what's the hardest trauma you've ever been through and how did you uh -huh. overcome that? Like, that's where my brain goes. And I don't know how interesting that would be for everyone. Can we talk about like <laughs> other stuff? Too, <laughs> we, to we totally can. <laughs> we totally can. But I was like, you know, I'm willing to answer any question that I'm willing to ask. Right. Like, yeah. um, but I've, I've just noticed over the last few months, I think I'm kind of a hard person to be a friend with. Okay. Um, you, you don't have to agree or disagree, um, but uh, I'm, I'm totally okay not talking to people, right? Like, like I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not, uh, what is it when people, you're codependent? Codependent, right? yeah. Right? Like, like, I really appreciate, Joe, your friendship with me. I, I appreciate it. But if we don't talk for a couple of days, I don't like start assuming you're mad or our relationship is is struggling. Oh yeah, gotcha. I'm just confident that like we're we're good until you tell me we're not. You know, <laughs> like uh -huh. and and I think some people I feel and I, I'm trying to figure this out in my head, like how uh -huh. other people because not everybody's me. Uh huh. And I just noticed that like some people, once they realize that about me, may distance themselves. Um, 
there are certain tough parts about our personality. Like I have a tough part about my personality that I noticed, or maybe I think I'm noticing and who knows, like it's just my perception. But when I first started to do music, I was coming from like a, um, I, I'd only been a singer before it, it was something I thought was impossible. And so when I would talk to people about what I was doing, I, many times it was like, well, I've got this dream and I'm going to be this musician and I'm decided I'm going to do it and all this like positive self-talk. Yeah. And many times I would be in these conversations with people who are kind of arguing with me, you know, we're like, well, I'm not a musician and I could, I could never do that. And they were trying to like, you know, put little fine little chinks in my positive armor, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I realized what I was doing is without saying, Hey, you know, you could, you actually could be doing that thing that you say you can't do. Right. Like I'm not actually, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, Hey, I I know I can do this. And then I'll say, I know everyone can too. I'm just trying to be nice. I'm trying to be like uplifting to people. But if, if you're not wanting to hear that and you're actually kind of in that comfortable, um, no, I've decided I can't do this for these reasons. And maybe you just don't understand Joe. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden I'm kind of like, I'm kind of hard to be around. Yeah. You know, because I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm constantly reminding people of of their bullshit by just existing. You know, like, uh, oh, you know what you're doing is bullshit. Because look at me. Yeah, yeah, and oh, so I like that. There's there's a level of confidence to pursuing what you want to do, uh-huh. and not everybody has that level of of confidence at all times. You know, yeah. we all arrive at it or sometimes never, but we all have our times when we're like, yeah, I want to do this. But when you're not there, it seems impossible and off putting when someone is, yeah. yeah or tells yeah. you kind of like, you know, you should, you could be doing better. You're just, you're just not, it, it, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want to say that to people. And so I've, I'm self-conscious when I'm like, try, you know, saying all of the things that I think pe- all, all people can do. Cause I'm, I'm trying to say, Hey, I'm not special. I, I, yeah, I think yeah. everyone can do this. I'm trying to show that everyone can do this. And I would, I'm trying to show my foibles too, so that everyone can go, Oh, he's not all perfect, but look at him continue towards his goals. And maybe I could do that too. Cause he's not so great. But what I feel like a lot of the times I'm actually communicating and what they're getting from me is look just, how good I am. Yeah. And you could be too. You're but just you're not. not, you yeah. decided that it's just a decision, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, 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 yeah. it's it can be frustrating sometimes, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I wanted to say, I, I listened to a, a podcast. Oh, it's, it's actually like the most recent one. It, uh, and it has uh, jewel. Oh, I saw uh, that the, mu- the musician jewel. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was talking about um, being a musician and mm-hmm. singing. And she's like, well, and it was at the very, 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 very beginning of the podcast because she um, started the podcast like this with with one ear in her headphone and one ear out. Oh, and yeah. um, Joe, Joe said, uh, oh, you're a professional. <laughs> and she's like, oh, this is just habit. This is how I've always done it because, you know, this is, you know, in one ear, it's all digitally, you know, fixed but I can't hear the the air moving mm-hmm. because there's no like real air moving, and so I, I I leave one ear undone so I can actually hear, you know, my voice and I can I can hear the real the real sound of it. Mm-hmm. And then she tries to she starts to explain like what actually happens when you're singing, and all it is is she's like everybody can sing because all it is is restricting or opening the airflow to hit 
certain notes. And if I'm going to, for her, the way she hears sound, if she's going to mimic it, she hears almost like the waves of it, the reverb of it. Uh And she matches that reverb. And that's how she, she does it. And I thought back to you and conversations you've had, um, even, you know, with me and other people that like, yeah, you can sing. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm not like the dowdy McDowdy. That's like, I can't, mm-hmm. it's almost like I, I say I can't, but it's really more, I don't, that's not something I want to work on. Right. To say I don't want to is, is also kind of bad because it's not that I don't want to, I'm not like mm-hmm. being some like stubborn thing. It's just, it's not where I want to, I don't want to spend my time learning how to, how to sing. Right. But it comes out like, oh, I could never, I could yeah. never do that. Yeah. But really inside of me, I don't have the motivation to, at 39 years old, <laughs> teach my voice again, because I have sung before and I have been able to harmonize with people and I have, you know, gotten in front of crowds and sang when I was in choir and, yeah. uh, you know, going to state music festival and you know, right. doing solos and duets and mm-hmm. quartets and different things. And so like, but, but that, that was, was required. Possible. You no, know, it was. It was, was just at required. the time. It was required, and so it's a different feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And then when it's not required of you anymore, like I don't, like I think math is super interesting, I, but I never go to math.com. I don't open up a math book because <laughs> no. it's just not what I want to spend my time doing. Like yeah. no matter how someone can tell me, like, well, you should. It could improve all these things. Like I just and and if a mathematician came up to you and said, oh, you could totally do what I'm doing because it's just you, taking more practice, you'd be like, I can't. Yeah, you'd feel like, oh, I've I've had a calculus class and it just seemed yeah. impossible yeah i tried <laughs> yeah and, and so it just comes out in the simplest form of of i can't even though mm-hmm. math is at its base simple right and it, mm-hmm. and it always works out in, in formulas and and mm-hmm. equations that are equal or not equal and so like everybody with not everybody there, there are definitely people with you know disabilities and there are different things that can't do it but it, anybody with a capable mind can grasp math with enough time spent on it mm-hmm. and desire and mm-hmm. so then as as you pursue um, music and guitar playing and having a band and being a, essentially an entertainer uh-huh. and uh, me on kind of a different spectrum of being an entertainer as a public speaker mm-hmm. um as you pursue that, it's kind of the same thing. Like I'm definitely a better public speaker now than I was 10 years ago. You're definitely a better musician now than you were 10 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, but it's something that you've desired to do. So you feel that you, you can. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, yeah, to be in that mentality is kind of extreme, you know, as a, as a non-musician to just like buy a guitar and then just start telling yourself like, cause that's kind of what I did is I bought my guitar when I was 26. Was it this guitar? No, it was a, another guitar. Um, I no longer have that one. Um, and it was, oh, I, I decided that I was just going to introduce myself as a guitar player from then on. <laughs> right. You right. know, like it's, and so I, I took this very extreme mental perception or, <clears throat> or trick or idea or whatever, and just this positive self-talk, you know, I thought to myself, I don't want to just practice this. I don't want to get kind of good. I want to get good enough <clears throat> that people will give me money one day, you know, you know, professional. Yeah. And, um, so I thought, well, the only way to do that is to have a singular mental focus like you would if you were in sports and you know remember you're in sports and those extreme days when you're like i'll do anything to get this win you know like well i had to kind of adopt that oh we we have the bluetooth turned on 
<laughs> got a phone call. Hold on. And so I adopted that and I realized that's real extreme. Like it was successful for me, but it's not real. Like to be around such an extreme personality is like I'm uncom- I'm uncompromising with your um, whatever your problems are. You know what I mean? Because in my mind, I'm like, there are no problems. I'm already a musician. I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. There's no downside, only victory. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm maybe that's what you're feeling is like, um, maybe you're just, you're just, com- you're just where you're at. You know, you just have a different way of communicating with people and you worry that is that, I mean, I'm not just because I'm not checking in on you. Doesn't mean I'm I'm not I'm not your friend and I right right I'm not wouldn't be happy to hear from you. Gonna... And so so that kind of actually leads into one of my questions that wasn't as um, <laughs> um, difficult and and awkward uh, was uh, you know kind of how do you how do you cope with obstacles in your life right and that could be you know as of right now um, officially I'm I'm unemployed. Uh, I do have a job that's going to be be starting here in a couple of weeks, but then uh, two or three or four days ago, my dryer broke, uh, stopped getting hot, and then the next day, uh, my dishwasher broke, and then um, the next day, uh, my daughter's car was egged, and and through all of that, also I lost a prior U student to suicide. Um, uh, a youth student from, from Glasgow. Uh, yeah, I'm not, it's, it's some of these stories like aren't mine to tell. Right. And so like the, the details of it, I, I don't want to get involved in, but, um, it was a very young person that, that took their own life. And then I lost uh, a close friend a couple of days later. And so all of this has happened in like the last like week, week and a half for me. Yeah. But out of all of it, like I, I, I'm always looking positively, right? Like, like um, I'm glad I knew those people and I have warranty on my dryer and I've found a part already that'll fix my dishwasher. And I know like with COVID, like shipping and different things, like it, it could be a little while, but like we have running water. And so like, we're not going to not be able to wash our dishes. It's just going to be not quite as easy as it has been. Right. I can, I can hang up a clothesline and dry my clothes. What we're doing right now is we're just driving to a laundromat and, and paying like three bucks, you know, and actually those dryers work amazingly. They're so nice. It's so nice. We're about to buy one actually. I think like, like a, a high tech, the speed queen. Oh. Cause we got a speed queen, a washer and you know, they, they're not fancy, but there's, those are the ones you see in the laundromats. Right. And like, Ooh, speed queen, a little pricey. We'll take it. And then yeah. the dryer just started, you know, not acting right. So like, dang, we got to scrape together another, like what I think I remember would be like 800 bucks or yep. somewhere yep. in that region. That's about the price of a dryer right now though. Maybe up to a thousand, but there's yeah. like, everyone will tell you it's worth it. Cause they're made of metal. Everything else with all their computers and nonsense are made of plastic. That's yeah. only going to last you five years or less. Yes, yeah. and, and so this is the second warranty claim we've done on our dryer, um, and we've had it for a little over two years, and it's a five-year warranty, but then they told me on the phone, like, the warranty only covers as, as much as the dryer cost, mm-hmm. and so when I bought the warranty, because I paid more than, like, it didn't come free with the dryer, right? Like, I paid an extra 100 bucks or something uh-huh. for this five-year warranty, they didn't tell me then this only covers, you know, I think it was 700 bucks for the dryer. Right. Um, mm-hmm. 
but essentially, like, I also paid an extra hundred, so it should cover about eight hundred dollars. But they're like, once once you run out of that with labor and parts included, like the warranty's then done. And I'm like, oh, <sighs> okay. And and it's fine. I mean, I only paid like a hundred bucks for it. And if, yeah. if this is the second one, we've definitely used up that hundred bucks. And so it was for me, it was worth it. Well, that's you know? good. Um, but yeah, so the guy's supposed to come tomorrow to to work on my dryer. But I was just wondering, like for you, you know, if uh, okay, um, one more story because it'll help uh, uh, frame the question a little bit better. When I was working in Glasgow, uh, my boss and I, uh, we had gathered up some volunteers. There was a huge uh, fire that happened in eastern Montana. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these ranchers and farmers lost um, any fence that was had wood posts. Uh-huh. Like they got burnt up in the fire, so they no longer had thousands of miles of fence. Oh, boy. Because they, they hadn't replaced them with like metal mm-hmm. um, posts. And so we we found a bunch of uh, T-posts is what they're called, and we found some volunteers, not just from in Montana. We had some people actually drive up from Ohio. Uh-huh. And so we were going to meet these people from Ohio at this one ranch that we were helping replace their fence because there's, there's actually small profit margin for farmers and ranchers. Mm-hmm. And so if a fence goes down, they might like have to sell their land. Like, you know, it could be, oh, it could be a pretty big problem. And so anyway, we're, we're going to take like a two and a half hour trip mm-hmm. to, um, to go, go meet these guys from Ohio. And on that trip, a deer decided it no longer wanted to be alive. Okay. And jumped in front of my truck. And I had, I had zero time to react. Uh-huh. It was like hiding behind this little hill. And as soon as my oh. truck got there and I'm going like 65, like <laughs> it jumped right, it like, just wham. jumped into my truck. <laughs> and uh, so it, it did, it did some damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my personal vehicle, and uh, and so we get out and we make sure that the the truck is still safe to drive, and it was. It just you know mm-hmm. had light and some plastic pieces had broken off, and and so I look at at my boss. And I'm like, well, it's just it's just stuff. Like, you know, it, it's easily replaced. We're both yep. okay. Mm-hmm. The deer didn't make it, but we're mm-hmm. both okay. We can still go to where we need to go and get back, and we're not going to break down. Yeah. And so we get like a half an hour down the road and he's like, is that all you're going to say? Like, we just like, <laughs> we just did a couple thousand dollars worth of damage to your truck. And I was like, oh, I have insurance. I know I have a deductible. I just spent, you know, 500 bucks, I think, you know, on my deductible. Mm-hmm. But like, we're okay. And he's like, I've never seen anyone react this way. And to me, it wasn't any kind of special thing. Like if he would have been hurt, it would have been a totally different thing. Yeah. Right? Because that's like a person and, and he's in pain and we need to get it fixed. But when it's just a thing, that's just my natural reaction is like, I'm not going to get worked up if I lose my house, if something catches on fire, if uh, something gets stolen out of my vehicle, you yeah. know, like, and so how, I'm, uh, uh, and so in telling that story, my, my goal is not to then belittle you if that's not your reaction. But I just want to know, like, like, how do you react to, to obstacles in your life or, or uh, unsuspected hurdles? Um, yeah, pretty much the same way. I mean, I have this weird, like I've mentioned before, this weird um, laughing thing that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, uh, I'm, I'm laughing at, I don't know, I, I kind of laugh at how hilarious life can be. You know, that's, that's, I'm kind of going, oh, huh. and, and then I think to myself, well, at least I'm laughing, you know, yeah, which yeah, means I'm yeah. breathing and I'm okay. Yeah. And, you know, this may be terrible and, you know, but, and then I, I start to tell myself things like, this is going to be a fun story to tell later because 
you know, how often do you get to gather, gather people around and tell them something just like totally awesome that happened to you? No, right, like you right. want to tell them something that was like terrible and they're going to laugh and you're going to like, you know, relive this thing, but I don't know, it'll be fun. That's, yeah. That, so that's kind of what I do is I, um, I acknowledge the weird, the weird terribleness of it if I can. And, um, I'm usually laughing and then I, um, look forward to telling stories about it. And then, and then like it, it just, I mean, we're supposed to be adults and maturely handle things, but it just seems that like things work out, right? Like they just work out. They just work out. Um, and that's not as, I think a lot of it in light for me is knowing that there's so many more people on the planet that have, have it worse. Right. And if I were to complain about somebody, you know, a, a, a broken piece on my $30,000 truck or, or it could be a $5,000 truck. It could be a f- truck I got for free. If I were to complain about that, like there's people that don't have vehicles and they have to walk yeah. to work and there's, they're supporting true. kids without a spouse, you know? And, and so I, I don't know, um, in, in light of a lot of things when, when, if, if it's not a person that has been damaged, like, um, I just try to, yeah, they just kind of work out and, and you're going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be fine. I'm, I don't like, th- I'm, I'm not really attached to things either. You know, the, because I've lost things and I go, yeah. Oh, well that was bad, but I'm still here and I can get another thing. Not a big deal. Yep. And, um, and when I don't, I don't attach things to people either, you know, like, Oh, that was my grandpa's watch or whatever. I just think of it as a thing, you know, yep. and if I have that thing, doesn't mean I have my grandpa and, you know, maybe that's morbid, but I don't know, just kind of detaches me from that. What seems like a painful attachment that I see people have to certain sentimental things. And I don't know, maybe I do too. And then I'm just not thinking about, well, yeah, I'm really sentimental towards that thing. But even if I lost this guitar, I'd be sad. It's like super sad, but I'd find another one. Yeah. Cause they, um, and in the grand scheme of making money, that company made more than one of those. Yeah. And there's other, I did find some others that were just the same size and I wouldn't have to find just this one, you know, yeah. it'd be fine. Okay. So that, that leads me to a different, a different type of question and maybe it's a level, a level higher of difficulty. Um, but there was, a um, a person I had kind of close in my life and she I'm trying not to give too many details because again, I don't like telling stories that aren't mine, but she had hit a drunk person. Uh-huh. The, the drunk person, she she's pretty sure was trying to commit suicide um, and walked in front of her speeding vehicle Ugh. on a highway uh-huh. um, where people shouldn't be like, you're not like looking for people. Like the person was almost kind of hiding yeah. and then jumped out. Oof. Well, what I found out about her later after knowing her for longer was on that day, the day that that happened, she would always go and have a lunch by herself and almost like a, like a, a remorseful celebration. I, I don't know the right word to say. Not a, it's not a celebration, right? But a remembrance of this, this life that she accidentally took and, and she feels bad for. And for me, that was really weird. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not, the same as every person. Right. And so like, I, um, I have lost a close person to me. My mother passed away, um, very abruptly, uh, when I was 25, 24, Uh um, 26, somewhere in there. I can't remember the exact age I was. It was in 2007. 
And uh, it was right around the time I was getting out of the military. I think I've told this story before. She was actually planning a trip to come down to Georgia because I was getting medically discharged from the military. And it was about a month away. And then my brother called me and said, hey, I'm taking my mom, taking mom to the emergency room. And then he called me and said, hey, they sent her home. Like, she's doing okay. And then he called me the next morning and said, hey, I'm taking her back. She's not getting any better. And then he called me a few hours later and said, hey, they're mercy flighting her to Billings. You might need to start thinking of ways that you can fly from Georgia to Montana as quick as you can. And so I started panicking because we didn't have like a ton of money. We're a young, mm-hmm. um, getting ready to get out of the military couple. Like, how are we going to afford a few thousand dollars to you know fly? Who's going to take care of our two young children? And these people in our life that were, were close friends of ours, they let us have their airline points on their credit card. And they watched our children for a week while, um, and, and so, but while I'm figuring that out, he calls me and said, Hey, um, mom's gone. And like, like that was it. I didn't have a, I still had the voicemail. Um, the last voicemail she left me, I had Uh it. It was on a different phone. I no longer have it, but, uh, uh, I remember the last time I talked to her, um, I did say, you know, I love you. She was very insistent upon that. Like, even if we were mad, you, you never left without saying I love you, even if you said it angrily, right? Like, I love you, you know, like in that way. And so I I remember we weren't mad at each other or anything, but, and so anyway, um, she, she died January uh, 15th and her birthday was February 15th. Um, I remember that because it's the day after Valentine's day is February 14th. Uh And so her birthday is easy to remember because it's the day after Valentine's day. And she died a month before her birthday. And so that's how my brain works. But there, there, there has been one or two January 15th that have, um, I've made it till like dinner time and have not remembered that's like the day my mom passed away, right? Mm-hmm. And this is like my mom. Oh, yeah. Um, someone that, that like very much the reason I am who I am today, you know, um, whether good, bad, or indifferent, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I have bad qualities from her and good ones. But like... I do not on, on January 15th. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, it's not, so, it's not a day I, I choose to celebrate. Right. I think I remember her more on February 15th, her birthday. That's a day that like we used to celebrate and whatever, but I don't even, I don't do anything special. I don't try to go to her, her grave on those days or anything. I've only actually been a couple times, uh, to her, 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 her site. Um, and so I was going to ask you, um, how, how do you handle, how do you handle loss of, of someone close? And I'm not trying to like specifically pick on, on anything in your life. Um, but just, uh, is that something you do? Do you, do you celebrate a day like that, uh, for someone close to you that you've lost, you know, a friend, somebody from the military, family, anything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, just it would just be my son when I lost him. Um, he was, you know, my first son um, ch- or child, my first child. And yeah. so when he was three, his birthday was April 9th, and then it was August 8th that he passed away. And so it was um, wicked uh, rough at first. And I don't remember doing anything, but I do remember those days would hit me at first, like those days at first for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I remember doing something weird, like, like going to a bar and like ordering a Guinness. Yeah. And also a, um, what's the other thing? A Corona. Yeah. Because my son was Irish and Mexican. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. Yeah. And I was like, this is something. 
Um, it didn't work the way I wanted it to work. Like I was literally just a sad guy at a bar about and, ready to cry. And you did that on both of those days? <laughs> yeah, on both of those both days. Both of those days. Um, and then, gosh, you know, because I can remember the day that he passed away and where I was. It was kind of like, you know. Same, same for me with my mom. You know how um, people talk about the Kennedy assassination assassination, or 9-11? Like, and they, and they like, know where they were. When yeah, they like, yeah. I can kind of remember like that couple days, but I don't remember where I was sitting when I saw like the traumatic stuff and all that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't have memories of that day. Maybe the next day too, when we're all kind of talking about it. Like, yeah. I remember that, but um, um, for, where was I with that? Oh yeah, so um, those days would be, I would like go, oh gosh, this day's coming, you know? And I would be just depressed for weeks, it feels like. And then it would just slowly subside. And then I feel like um, the more I at least faced my grief, at least acknowledged it, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I would tend to get better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think people, people I, th- I heard it said like, it's not like my grief got less. It's like maybe I learned how to grow around it like it became a part of me. Right. But I got more capacity to feel that and it didn't like hurt me as much. And so there did come days where I would go the whole day and maybe be getting into bed and be like, oh my gosh, today's, today's the day. The day. Yeah. Or I actually have um, someone in my life who like never misses the day. Like will always send me something and say, Hey, thinking about you. Hope, hope, yeah. hope you're doing okay. And, and many times I meet that message with indifference. Right. Cause I was going to say, how do you handle that? Because, um, I, I actually, if I remember, I try to stay on Facebook because my grandma always posts cause it was her daughter. Oh yeah. Right? For sure. And so she's always posting mm-hmm. something and that's how she has worked through it. And so I, I, I hope as I'm talking about this, I'm not trying to like criticize how anybody grieves. No, there's it, no, it, can't. It, it was just for me, it was odd to see how this one person in my life handled her grief mm-hmm. and it wasn't someone close to her. It was, you know, this very hard thing that she had to handle. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm at no point trying to say that the way I grieve is better or worse or, but it's or, interesting, or right? Anything. I just wanted to know kind of how, well, how you cope through that. Because I think telling people how you do, there may be somebody listening that's like, I want to try that the next time because Mm -hmm. the way I'm grieving ain't working for me. Yeah, and I would say the, um, yeah, that statement that you left off on, you know, the way I'm grieving ain't working for me. Yeah. There was a huge, huge worry of mine that I wasn't going to grieve right. Oh, totally. You know, because this is someone, you know, when someone so important to you dies... Um, you're like, well, I mean, this, I know this is going to affect me. Um, but I remember, I remember sitting at the funeral, um, wondering why I wasn't crying more, Mm -hmm. you know, like I had feelings of sadness, sure. Feelings of shock, feelings of numbness even. Right. Um, but not crying, not like overwhelming sadness. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and I, I remember thinking, huh. I, I kind of wish I was more sad so people would see me see being more sad. sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd feel really awful about that. So like that's like the, the guilt spiral that, that is a danger of um, grieving because we're afraid of not doing it right. And so that's one of the major things I found out about grieving when I, um, I, I think I sought out the Compassionate Friends Network, which they, they specialize in like um, grieving for losses of loved ones. Right. And... Um, <clears throat> They even have a podcast that was pretty cool to listen to. 
Um, but through that, I learned that there's no way to grieve. Like there's no good way. Yeah, there's there's no so, right way. So you know, yeah. I, I was sitting there thinking like, oh man, I should be writing a letter and sending it on a balloon or or burning stuff or going out into the woods and having a journey quest or vision quest or whatever yeah, the yeah. thing. And I was like, well, I'm not doing any of that. And and, and then um, I don't know. I, I just remember thinking to myself, um, most things that used to bother me or annoy me no longer annoyed or bothered me. Like if it wasn't life or death, I couldn't be bothered with it, you know? Right. Um, so that was, I'm just observing, like, how did that happen? Like how, what was the process of grieving? I remember thinking, I'm not doing this right. I remember thinking I'm a bad person because I don't feel what I should feel right now. You right. Know? And then I remember, man, just going through a lot of like what seemed like a hazy time in my life where, yeah, I wasn't seeing things the way other people were seeing them. Um, I was just depressed, very, yeah. very not wanting to exist, sort of, sort of depressed. And then I think I made a deal with myself um, because I thought, well, I'm grieving over this loved one, this one that I don't have anymore. But yeah. if this person was here, what would they want me to be doing? Or yeah. if I could talk to them what do I think they would say to me right now in this position? Yeah. And I was like, oh, dang, well, I mean, even in that state, I was like, man, he didn't get a lot of time to do any of the cool things that I envisioned I would get to do with my son or he would get to accomplish and I would get to live vicariously through. You know? Right, right. You know, um, and so I realized that fair or unfair, like if I was going to participate in this life, um, this race that we're all having to race, um, my my person that i had passed the baton to had just kind of passed it right back to me yeah and said well no you gotta run this part yourself and yeah. you gotta hold the baton and you're still in a race and you're still holding that baton so what do you want to do you want to crawl while you do it do you want to what do you want to do? do you want to be hunched over while you do it yeah or do you want to try to to be of service to people or to be of like what, do you want to make it a good thing that you were here breathing all this air and eating up all everyone's food? Yeah, you know? the, that I no longer get to do. Like, right. like you know, um, yeah, because I've thought uh, it's, it's different losing a parent because in the the societal grand th scheme of things, you're going to lose your parents, it right? It like, hurts, but it makes sense. You're it, kind yeah, of expecting like, it. Like there's, there's a rationality to it. Now, when my mom's only 44 and I'm going to be there soon, you know, yeah. that's 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 a reality to me that like it was, it happened much sooner than it should have happened. Mm -hmm. But, uh, she, she never got to meet my, my youngest mm -hmm. daughter. She never got to see me be a pastor at all. Like, uh -huh. I, you know, that's all been after and maybe even led to it. Right. Because like, mm -hmm. I didn't really think about what happens after you die until I lose my mom. You know, mm -hmm. when you're going off to war, that's not the, greatest thought to have is what happens when you die because yeah. like you don't know <laughs> if you're going to be making it you know and so um but even like retelling this story just now it, it kind of caught me off guard i almost teared up a little bit just saying like oh and then my brother called me and he mm -hmm. said and i remember specifically i was in we had this uh 900 square foot um brick home in mm -hmm. in uh fort stewart georgia mm -hmm. and it, ha it was a two bedroom, a master bedroom, and then where our son was at, Caden, and he ended up you know, sharing rooms there for a little bit while they were younger. And uh, we loved this house. It was the first house we'd ever bought. 
and uh-huh. the kitchen uh, was super small. <laughs> but I was in the kitchen and I answered the phone because all of this is going on and I'm calling people. I'm trying to get up to Montana. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother calls and I'm like, hello? And it's silence for a little bit. And he said, hey, mom's, mom's gone. And, and in the moment, I'm like, yeah, you told me she was getting on the helicopter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. yeah, I know. I don't like, need I'm this. Tra- I'm trying this to get update. up there. It's a weird <laughs> update. But I, also at the same moment, I knew I was telling myself that because I didn't want the real, what he was, you know, like I was telling myself, yeah, she's gone in the helicopter, but mm-hmm. he meant no longer alive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even retelling that now, years later, uh, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. But, it, but I don't celebrate her days, but I definitely did for the first couple years. I would say a good solid three or four years. Mm-hmm. I, I, as soon as I woke up, because you even knew it like the day before, oh, tomorrow's, tomorrow's the day. You know, yeah, and uh, and then like the further you get through that, um, and it's not that you're done grieving. It's not that you don't still miss the person. And just, I, I really, when you were describing it, it made me think of like a a plant growing through a rock. <laughs> that like the the mass of the rock is still there, but the plant's choosing to grow. Yeah, it can still blossom. Yeah, yeah, and you know you've seen those uh, those pictures of like overcomers, and it's like this leaf you know, coming out through like asphalt or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's it, the, the mass is still there and you can, you can choose to not seek sunlight. You can mm-hmm. choose not to, uh, over time, like, like work with it. And I could, I think in every moment, and that kind of ties back into the last question is how do you, um, how do you overcome obstacles? Like, I think every, every crossroad we face, we can choose to, and we've said this before in the podcast, we can choose to be bitter or better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how, how do I, take the loss of my mom and, and make it a better thing, even though it's a horrible thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. How do I make it a better thing in my life? And I think that's a, essentially what you're saying um, about your son as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, he's, he's sitting there going like, if, if he could talk to you right now, he's like, are you going to, what are you going to do with this man? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, and I feel my mom the same way. Like, even though she didn't get to meet her granddaughter, who is exactly like her. Like, uh-huh. if you want to know what my mom was like at 10, just look at my youngest. Okay. Like, like that, that was, I'm sure that's like everything my mom was doing. And, uh, and so like, I, not that she would have had favorites, but I'm pretty sure she would have been her favorite. Yeah. But do I, do I raise that <laughs> child then like telling her, Oh, you're so much like your grandma and you, uh, you know, you can, mm-hmm. but I, I choose to like, like I want to be able to help other people mourn when they they lose a a a close friend or family member i want to i want to take this moment and hopefully be able to to at the very least sympathize with Uh somebody when when not everybody on the planet can in that moment you know and just say hey Mm -hmm. i know right now because when you talked about being at the funeral Mm -hmm. i know exactly where my mom's memorial service was Mm -hmm. and uh, it's no longer uh you know a funeral home it was at the time but uh i had to speak Mm -hmm. um and uh, I had prepared a speech and it had a couple jokes in it mm-hmm. because my mom would have wanted that. And, uh, and I remember seeing her cause it was open casket and I cried then cause I hadn't seen her in probably a couple of years. And mm-hmm. now the next time I'm seeing her is in a casket. And, and then I've got a, I, we had like this, uh, I don't know if all funeral homes are set up this way. Um, it's the only one I've seen like this. We had like a family section. It was almost like cordoned off. And then there was like where kind of everybody else went. And so I was sitting over there with my brother and my grandma and, and mm-hmm. maybe some aunts and uncles and stuff. I don't remember everybody because you're so singularly focused on, on you and how you're mourning and how everybody's perceiving you mourning. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't 
crying as much as I wanted to. Yeah. And then I didn't know, well, do I need to be manly? My mom wouldn't want me crying. You know, there were so many confusing mm-hmm. things that I just didn't know how to react. And then I got up there to speak and that's when I wanted to start crying, right? Yes. Now I'm in front of everybody and they uh-huh. are actually looking at me. Now I can't really talk. And I was able to get, get through the, the little the little talk, but yeah. um, I just, uh, yeah, um, I think we, sh- we should all be able to, to mourn uh, uniquely. And, I, and maybe that question came up just because I have lost two people in my life, like very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, both of them, you know, there wasn't much warning to. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that's bringing up stuff. Yeah, your just, mom, just bringing know? up st- stuff about remembering other times I've lost people and lost things. And, how it kind of happened, you know. And then, like, what is the purpose of this podcast? You know, like, what? And, and I would hope that, and we've talked about this before, but like every interaction you've had with somebody or I have with someone, I try to make their day a little better. Uh-huh. And so then I hope with this podcast, it can kind of be that that same thing. And so I don't want this to be a whole talk about uh, grief and remorse and, mm-hmm. and mourning, um, but more of like there is a light on the other side. Like like we've both lost like really close people. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to grade like which one would be worse. Oh no, yeah. But I can't imagine losing a child, Joe. And I I just want to say that like um I've watched my grandmother. Uh she lost two mm-hmm. children. Yeah. And uh it's a different kind of loss, my brother. Like like it really is. And so if there's anybody on the planet that I think can help anyone go through a loss, it would be you. Because well, I think that you've again, I'm not trying to grade and say that things are harder, mm-hmm. but I think a spouse and a child are probably the, the hardest ones and I'm not yeah, trying to grade I, it, but like, I wouldn't grade it either. Yeah. But uh, I, I read a book that kind of, um, touched on it. It, it kind of alluded, it, it uh, noted that it's like, yes, uh, because the book was written by a lady who was in sort of psychology already. And then she had lost a son. And what she did was she was like, well, I'm, you know, I'd like to, I'm curious about grieving for my child and I want to read other what other people have found and she found that no one did any sort of research at all right. like like right. that because everybody kind of stays away from the person that's lost a child yeah nobody like, wants like, let's to, not bring this up they don't want to talk about that yeah yeah and so um, the book was interesting and what she did was over I think it was 10 or 15 years she uh, reached out to people who had lost children and just said, hey, I'd like to interview you, ask you these questions, and I want to keep up with you over the years just to kind of see, you know, what what does losing a child do to a person? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that you know, the first thing that she found was, like, everyone has their own types of grieving, you know. Um, the man who's stoic and doesn't like to show his emotion um, is totally fine. It's not, They're not hiding it. Um, the lady who is uh, also maybe exactly that way, just like a man, not showing anything. That's totally fine too. She can be that way. Um, it's the people that, how whatever they are, they they do have to go through that thing. They yeah. they have to acknowledge it. Um, but there is a um, an interesting uh, personality trait that kind of happens, and it's either you um, let it consume you. Um, and, and these people just, you know, whatever, go to drugs, kill themselves, um, end up in prison, just kind of give up on life. Or you become an overachiever to mm. kind of honor this person's yeah. death, like, yeah. like kind of what I feel like you and I have done. Yeah. So instead yeah. of trying to figure out ourselves um, so selfishly, 
yeah. you know, we're trying to show that, well, we're nobody, we're just regular like you, but we went through something traumatic and then we came out on the other side kind of successful in our own ways. Like we had a goal and we went and got that goal and we yeah. did so in the midst of this grief and this unfair life that we lead. Yeah. Like I want to show people that um, you can be really sad and lose people and life can be unfair, but you should still always be looking to find out who you are and try to be that person. Cause that's, mm. that's what I was like, you know, I got confused when I realized, well, shoot, now I have to, I don't want to kill myself and I don't want to end up in prison and I don't want to go and get on drugs and just give up. And then I was like, well, darn, now I got to figure out what the heck I'm here to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I don't know many humans that have done that. It seems like this whole self-help business has been created for you to find yourself, you yeah. know? So I was like, oh, what do I do? And I took the $10,000 um, that you get, like I didn't realize, but automatically on every person in your family, when you're in the military at that time, you had a $10,000 life insurance policy yep, on them. Yep. And so I got $10,000. Um, after my son passed away and I paid for his funeral and all that nonsense. And then I bought a computer, a laptop and entered myself into college, um, with the, with the goal of trying to figure out who I am and what I was here to do. Yeah. And I read up on people who were successful and I realized that they all had this certain trait and that trait was that they were kind of like well-rounded, like they weren't just right or left brained people. They were both. Yeah, And I realized I was a right-brained person, like very, very right-brained. And I, I would even shun anything scientific or mathematic. You know, I just didn't like yeah. it. Yeah, And so I went to college and I um, focused on only that. I majored in bioinformatics, which is math and science and computer science all in one. And math, biology, and whatever. It was a degree I was trying to be a dentist or something. I didn't know. <laughs> and, um, but I got to calculus, you know, and I, I did, I did get like two or three years of like just very mathematical left brain stuff. And I was getting pretty darn good grades. And it was within those years. That's when it, I realized that this thing I had been, um, thinking about doing like becoming a musician was the thing that I had to do, even though I kind of dismissed it always and everyone dismisses becoming a musician or artist. They say, well, you can't do that. I mean, you're not this beautiful lady. You're not this young, hot Justin Timberlake character. Like, what do you think you're going to do? And, um, I just realized, well, that was the challenge though, that, that therein lies the challenge. So I, um, then I made a promise to myself that now I realized that through working, um, and improving myself, I thought, and um, I'd come to that conclusion that I had to be a musician. And that was the thing that was going to honor my son. Mm. And so once you make that decision and you find out, and so like just getting there was this whole journey. But once you find out and you make that decision of here's what I'm going to do, here's why I'm, and the why, you have the why, you over, you over then you can overcome any how. Like any impossible thing becomes you got it <laughs> well well right because then it also like when you when you think of it i think you mentioned it earlier that like uh once once that happened you're like the things that used to bother me don't bother me anymore yeah and and, and oh. so like in light of everything when uh let's let's i'm, I'm gonna take this very light mm -hmm. but like you're out in public and your pants rip yeah before you you lost your son Mm -hmm. That was a big deal. Huge. <laughs> Huge deal. You'd be yeah. embarrassed. You'd have to run home. You'd need to get new pants. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, Meh. it's okay. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Because I, 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 I almost put on my resume now that like, um, I've brought up my resume twice now, but um, <laughs> that uh, I've led people in combat 
mm-hmm. I make a little joke in my resume uh-huh. that once you do that, whatever, as long as I'm not getting shot at, it makes it way easier to lead people, yeah. right? <laughs> and so, and so it's kind of in light of that, that like, if I want to manage mm-hmm. people, I've done it while getting shot at mm-hmm. and all of those people lived. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not in a life or death situation, if we're making burgers, if yeah. we're, if we're trying to make an ad campaign, if we're trying to recruit foster families, like I can, I can do that because we're not getting shot at. Right. And, and so when, when you've lost somebody close, it's very similar, you know, mm-hmm. or when you've gone to a third world country and seen extreme poverty and smelt yeah. that, like yeah. it's so much easier like. to have that perspective in life. And so mm-hmm. I think these situations definitely at the very basic form of them, they offer a new perspective on life mm-hmm. that is a gift. Yeah, I, it, it became, um, you know how you're afraid, and this is a stereotypical thing, like you're afraid to um, follow your dream because you're, you know, like my parents would always say, well, you're going to end up in the gutter. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Which yeah just, in a van down by the river. Yeah, it just means you're penniless or, you know, you, you know, all that stuff. And I would actually be picturing myself laying down in a ditch. Yep, You know me what too. I mean? Me right? too, yep. With my pockets kind of out and so you could see that I had no money and I'm just <laughs> yeah. hungry and like searching for cigarette butts or something, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I thought about that. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this musician thing and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it if, even if it kills me or I end up in a gutter. And I thought, well, what, what happens if you end up in a gutter, Joe? Like you live in America. I mean, <laughs> right, so right. You, you might, you might spend one half of a night in a gutter before like 10 nonprofits are going to be breathing down your neck or your friends or family are going to want to dust you off and, and get you going someplace else. So as long as you don't become a danger to people, like getting on drugs and all say, that kind of like stuff. If, if you are mentally sane yeah. and you're not on drugs right, uh, or addicted to some sort of substance, yeah, it's pretty easy to get yourself out of the gutter. Right. And so from that mentality of like, you know, if it's not life or death or something really serious, I don't really care. From that mentality, you almost have this like that new perception. So now you need to go, go once you have a new perception, go and look back at everything that you have just taken as a given. Like, well, I take it as a given that I'm not going to um, pursue guitar and singing because that's crazy. Yeah. Well, now I have a new perception. Well, I, either I do this or I end up in the gutter. And by the way, the gutter is not all that bad. I mean, I can get out like this. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I realized, um, well, now I have no more excuses. There, I mean, the, well, it might end up in the gutter is not an excuse anymore. Like when you have that mentality. So... I just realized that and started walking forward. And, and it was weird if you pick something like we picked, you know, like I, I had to look myself in the mirror a lot and, and go, well, why aren't you getting to your next step? Why are you, why are you languishing here? And if the answer was, well, I'm depressed or well, I'm letting my grieving get the better of me. Well, that no longer was an excuse either. I, right. I just right. noted it and go, okay, well, I better talk to somebody or find help because I can't just now use this as my, um, my cave of where I'm going to stop. I'm going to sort of set up camp here in depression land, tell it, tell everyone that, you know, I'm just too sad about losing my son and pass me the bottle and no one will, not one person will judge me, but I, but I couldn't do it because I'd already, I had that new perception and I realized that this is all my choice and I can do this. And even if I can't, well, what does can't mean? <laughs> if you end up in the gutter, which not so bad. So whatever, go yeah. for it, bro. Yeah. Just go for it. Yep. And, and so we, um, and so that's, that's kind of, um, I guess to maybe, I mean, I'm not trying to put a bow on anything, but kind of wrap it up is to say like, it kind of ties back to the, 
the possessions thing, right? Um, we, a lot of us, I think, get caught up in um, payments and mortgages and bills and cell phones and yeah. you know these these uh, these responsibilities we have as adults. And so the can't, you know, live, ending up in a gutter. There's more steps to that, right? Like uh-huh. you're gonna lose your house, you're gonna lose your car, you're gonna lose your cell phone, you're gonna lose your internet, you're gonna lose your Netflix subscription. You know, like all these things that you have to pay for mm-hmm. if you can't uh, end up making money out of it. But ultimately, Joe, like uh, from you know, ten years ago to now, how difficult? Like, like literally, like, like how hard has it been to get a gig? that'll pay you some money. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, even in the beginning, I was surprised at how easy it was. Right. To be quite honest, because I, I didn't have the, um, well, I want to be a rock star, famous person, um, or, or look a certain way goal. I just had a, I want to get a, a gig for a couple hours for money and make that make sense for, yeah. for my, um, being able to live that way. And um, when you when you're thinking like that, well, shoot, man, I'd been into the military where if you'd got to a certain rank, they put you through um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People course, if <laughs> yeah, you remember. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, like the things they teach you in that are just regurgic, regurgitated stuff that yeah. you can find in any book. And the more classic, the better. Maybe Think Think and Grow Rich is a really good one, super mm-hmm. famous. Um, go in there, leaf through it. And I would just apply those things, <laughs> right? You know, right. and you're like, oh, these work. Um, yeah, there's there's somebody I've read a ton of uh, Patrick Lencioni uh, mm-hmm. does a, does a lot of that stuff. You know, like yeah. it gets into more into the weeds, not just like self motivating mm-hmm. and becoming successful at something, but like how to run an organization and manager managerial structure and relationships and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But once you yeah, start there's, doing there's it, though, so much out there. And and here's here's what it was like for me, like for any any um, musician that wants to, or any person that wants to do a live show kind of in the same way I'm doing it. Here's what you do. Um, first you learn a bunch of music, um, and you don't have to learn them the whole way. Just learn like two thirds of them and get the gist, right? Okay. (laughs) You're just starting out, man. Don't be perfectionist. Get yourself a list with all the words and chords on it. So, you know, so you can read them as you go and no one will, no one will fault you for that. If as long as you have a cool look on your face or something. Yeah. Um, then, all I did was just um, do a Google search for every bar and restaurant and wrote down their numbers and put them on a big old list. And then I called them and then I would, if I could, I would go in there and either you call them and I I would always write out a script, a very short script as if I was a telemarketer. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. on that I would just find, because I noticed that when you call a bar and here's a weird thing, it's, they always, it's always like really loud in the background. Right. And you're always talking to an overworked waitress or bartender. Right. Very rarely the person that's going to book you. Yeah. So you got to get through a conversation that's like, what, Uh, who, who are you looking for? What? Yeah. And so I would, I would, um, dial it in basically. And so I realized I was like, I got to speak slowly, clearly, and in a way that I know that they're going to know exactly what I want. And so my line is always, hi, my name is what my name is Joe. And I'm looking for the person in charge of booking musical acts or entertainment in your establishment. Yeah. And then they go, hold on. (laughs) Yeah. Or or they say they're not here. Call back this time. Yeah. Or they say, we don't do that here. And so then like, and then great. And I write down their name or number, the time that's best to call them. And I just follow up and I, and I do that every day until, um, I have three or four shows a week 
um, up into, you know, a couple, looking ahead a couple months. And then if once you do that, you have, find out how much you need to pay for your bills and just try to make more than that every month. <laughs> <laughs> that is the key. That is That's the key. the key. And then you, I, I, I haven't, oh no, I have paid attention. You put out a little tip jar, right? Yeah. Always put out the tip jar. And when I go into places, I, don't, I guess I don't do this anymore. I guess I'm a little more relaxed because I don't have to work as hard. You know, I've, I've been doing it long enough that people just call me and they know me now, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, but I'm just it, like, hey, Joe, we need you. Yeah. If I was going to go into a bar or a new bar, let's say, mm-hmm. I would go in there um, with my camera app open and possibly a guitar in hand and tell them things like, um, you know, I have one or two spots open on my calendar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would you like it? And they're usually sure, you know, if you're, if you're doing that good, you must be good. And they don't, they, I've never had a demo. I've never had to send a demo to anybody. Right. They just assume that if I talk like that, I'm, and they've even, they've even told me that before. They go, well, if you're calling talking like that, you must be pretty good. Uh, oh, oh, so, <laughs> so this is, this is like a, a hack. For anybody that hasn't never done a show, yeah, this is just, a hack. just pretend that you have. Yeah, just pretend and that, that you, are you already so busy. have three schedules, so mm-hmm. you're only open Fridays and Tuesdays. Even if they're non-paid gigs and you're playing for your stuffed animals, like who cares? They didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, where are you playing? Who are you playing for? You know, uh, oh, old friends and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so just uh, you know, give each room in your house a name of just, a bar, a local bar in town. Crowd. Yeah, and uh, on those days you can go in. You don't have to lie, right? Like you can go yeah. into the the high ho, mm-hmm. which is your bathroom, and yep. play for your soap because you've named that a person yeah and, and just make sure that, make sure that person isn't friends with the owner of the high home <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they'll call him up and be like hey didn't know you're doing live music over there <laughs> so as we're talking about gigs this would be a good transition um as we we get ready to close out here um i um i came to your show uh at the kellergeist i was i was there i was present um my wife and i had pork chops from the pork chop sandwiches from the food truck really good and then uh a couple drinks from um the the keller guys there and they do a great job they have actually i found out they have the second most german brewed beers in the united states yeah baby um and so you can you can go in there and they they definitely have a drink that suits you but then i, I got to hear uh the first interviewee we ever had on the podcast gabriel and he did uh, some throat singing yep. and uh, did some entertaining for the first little bit. And then your band got up and you guys sounded good. But then my wife got like tired. And so I was like, oh, I got to go. Yeah. Um, we were singing um, lullabies. Yeah. Oh, well, no. What were you singing when we left? It was a song I totally knew. Was Dang it. I can't remember now. Colors by Black Pumas. I don't know the names of songs. You'd have to like sing the songs. Dang it. Yeah. It's okay. Um, but, uh, you, you had mentioned that you were going to talk with, uh, the owners mm-hmm. of the German bar I did. Uh, to try to schedule podcasting and stuff. Did that work? No, she was out of town. Okay. <laughs> Cause I, I totally forgot while I was there. I knew that was part of me being there was like, we yeah, can, we yeah, can yeah. team up. Yep. Totally forgot. Yeah. It's cause I, she wasn't, she actually, the person that I wanted to talk to was in, um, I think she, I don't want to say there's, they were watching a cool concert somewhere. Gotcha. Um, and even, I think mentioned something on, on one of the ads. They're like, Hey, you should go to the bar. <clears throat> and unless you're at a once in a lifetime thing, watching the grateful dead. <laughs> oh, gotcha. gotcha. And I, was, I didn't realize that she was watching the grateful dead. <laughs> didn't gotcha. click. Yeah. And so then when I got there, it was just Matt and, um, 
And he's a hoot. He's a hoot. Yeah, yeah. he is. He is fantastic. He wanted us to be. He's like, uh, you guys are my new favorite band. Let's talk about being the house band. And I was like, hey, maybe a weekly show in our in our future. So I mean, not confirmed yet, but I mean, I I was happy with the show. I was like, yeah, pretty happy. It was. Yeah. It was, and how long did you guys play? Probably like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. I would say total. Yeah, you started at seven thirty. Got yeah. done about nine nine thirty. Yeah, I would say we played until about 10. Yeah, okay. So we gave him a little extra because everyone was having a good time. And as a solo background music player, I'm not used to having most of the bar they were, dancing. They were dancing. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, whoa, let's keep doing this. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was good. It was fun to play some funk songs. Um, There's a couple musicians came out and it's cool when they're like, hey, I noticed you're playing that one particular song that us musicians know about that's actually really hard to play. So good job, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, thank you. I was hoping for a little of those kudos because, you know, we do play a couple of um, a little more highbrow jazz tunes and i'm like we could pull it off <laughs> yeah 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 you guys did you guys did fantastic so if any of the band members are listening um i appreciate you guys it was a good show uh i didn't i, o- I only stayed for about an hour of your playing uh just i had to the wife get her home for her bedtime did, but, uh, did you happen to hear the saxophone player did he sit in nope i didn't Dang. hear a saxophone player so i also want to say um hey guys if you're listening good job everybody tc ryan johnny man it was a great great show i was so happy we're all like glowing afterwards we're like yay we did a good job um, well i was and um ryan and um johnny had been talking about they maybe have known this saxophone player and met him before and maybe could he come sit in or maybe come practice with us and i was like yeah totally and he just happened to be sitting there at the bar and he was kind of listening in and he was like, well, this, i like this music and I have my saxophones with me, two of them. So he, um, they were like, Hey Joe, is it cool if he sits in? I was like, why don't you even ask me that stuff? It's a <laughs> saxophone player. Of course. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> saxophones are so cool. Just let me know that that's what's happening. So I just don't try to stop a stranger from, <laughs> from, getting, on from stage getting on stage with stage. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he shows up with this tiny, like, like the size of a small cat like stand, uh, sitting down. Yeah, the the you're you're showing me about 13 inches right now. Yeah, maybe 12. Such and a so small like, I picture like the plastic saxophone I had as a kid. It was that size, but yeah. it was made of like beautiful black and gold. Like it looked like a professional saxophone just shrunken. Yeah. And that was kind of cool, but we had to get so quiet. We got like I was pretty proud of the band because we were like, "Hey, let's get quiet enough so that he can be heard and we had to get like whisper quiet and i was like yeah. whoa check us out we got some pretty good dynamics here guys but then he got another uh alto sax and was just and we got him a mic and everything and it was like i think that's why we played extra because like we we're having so much fun you know because yeah. i got the organ almost like player. like an old school kind of jam session right yeah like, yeah like just oh this random person you kind of see on like a movie or something like, mm-hmm. you know this uh random people start showing up with amazing instruments and they're all good and they can play the songs you're doing and you're just like this can't ever end right we can't yeah. we got to keep doing this it's my favorite thing to have someone go hey what key are we in and that's all the information I got to give them. Yeah. And like, I'll just hear the rest. Don't worry, bro. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I wish I would have, I wish I would have caught that now. Dang. You're not the only one that, um, the video actually, um, the guys at KGP are the ones we were doing the fundraiser mm-hmm. playing for, mm-hmm. um, local radio station. Um, they were nice enough to do a live stream, but it was like right before the saxophone player that they cut off the live stream. So I got to see myself in the band, like doing pretty good and how we kind of looked. So I was like really happy to see that. Cause I was like, man, 
I look like a goofus up there. I gotta find some more like cool guy stances or whatever. So that, yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> good you gotta to have like the right faces, right? You know, like when you're when you're really getting into your your bass guitar, you just really gotta, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta have that concentration look. I think TC's wife said something to me about that. She goes, "You are the," and she used a, she used a, the the a hole word. I'll just say a hole. What's wrong yeah, with that? Yeah. Um, she goes, "You're the most non a hole lead." singer i've ever experienced <laughs> that's a good compliment and i was like maybe thank you because i was yeah. thinking about some other lead singers <laughs> i've always and they're kind of like i don't know playfully kind of combative with yeah. the uh, with the audience yeah you know oh, if you don't like it then go to heck <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm never like that i'm just like, hey everyone thanks for listening okay <laughs> i was like okay good note so people look at me as like a super polite <laughs> God. but what if what if i want to throw some stank on this next song yeah and so the, the one thing i did notice is when uh uh gabriel was up there i couldn't really hear much of what he was saying i could hear his music mm-hmm. when he was like singing um but couldn't hear much when he was like making announcements and talking but yeah. when you got up there i could understand everything you were saying and i don't know if you guys were using different mics or mm-hmm. what but well, he brought up his own PA system. So that oh, little, okay. that, that tower, it's the same tower that I usually use. Um, he is, he, he does performances like that sometimes as well. So he's just more comfortable. He, he got up there and just kind of turned on his own little speaker and didn't want to, didn't want to mess with um, putting it through the other speakers that we had set up. Gotcha. Um, and it worked okay at first, but yeah, once the conversations start talking, like he can hear himself clearly so he probably didn't realize but yeah but you just couldn't hear anything yeah, he people was saying. That i know he said thank you to a few people but that's mm-hmm. kind of all i gathered yeah maybe oh, next well. time i'll ask him like because i i have this itch every time like someone's doing that like i just want to walk up on stage and start fiddling with the little volume things and just maybe take some bass out here and maybe yeah, yeah. put the mids up a little bit so it's a little clearer and you know make sure everything's like fine but i just you know it's not always time for me to do that <laughs> I don't want to assume because I'm not even like a sound guy. I just, I I do this for a living and I guess I'm my own sound guy, if you will. Yeah. And maybe I, maybe I, um, I knew how to help and I wanted to help. Isn't that, that's like my personality. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe it comes off as like, I feel like I worry about it coming off as like, um, impose, imposing your greatness, imposing my know-it-allness. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, um, the tech guy, the IT guy from Saturday Night Live. Oh, I haven't seen that. Move. You know, oh, he's, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen that. Now I got to watch it. It's hilarious. He's like, uh, he's. it's just a scene in a in an office and they're like, oh yeah, my email is not working. And he just comes over and he's just the most condescending person in the world. Oh, it didn't? Huh? Have you cleared your cookie? Yes, I cleared my cookies. Oh, really? Move. And he just sits down <laughs> and he's like, fixed it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that, that's always the concern. Yep. When you are the, uh, at least a, not the, but a subject matter expert and you want to help, it always, you're afraid that it's going to come across as kind of being rude, rude not jerky. Yeah. And it's probably even worse now that I'm a dad. I'm just like, let me do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you did bring the guitar today because we did the intro, but we haven't played it at all, really. You've been kind of playing with it, but the, the sound was down. Oh, yeah. But now I'm, gonna, I'm just like, this little soft thing as we as we kind of close close out come to an end i was kind of liking that idea um to do like a i just start playing playing us out kind of deal like at the end of podcast i'll try that for the next couple make sure you bring the guitar instead of that uh that other cool bed of music that we use because that could be for i don't know other interview segments yeah yeah um 
Yeah, so I, I appreciate where this uh, podcast went. I hope you all enjoyed it. If there's anybody in your life that may need to hear this right now, maybe going through a loss or wants to hear um, about what's going on in our lives, you know, yeah. give it give it a share. We're not going to uh, get all hung up on telling you to um, rate and review and and share it and all no, of that. Like, no, Because you totally should, though. Yeah, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what you're doing. It's your life. Live it how you want to live it. And uh, mourn how you want to mourn, grieve how you want to grieve, but make sure that you do grieve and you do mourn. Um, go through that process, acknowledge it, and uh, yeah, we're we're excited. We have we have things coming up, but I think as Joe he he mentioned a little bit that he's going to be leaving town, so we're going to have some catch up to do here and get a, get ahead uh, here very quickly. But uh, yeah, we we appreciate you spending the time to listen to us. And, and tune in. Yeah, stay tuned for more. <laughs> stay tuned for more. <laughs> I've been Brian. I've been Joe. We'll see you see next, you next show. show.